My brother, how you doing? I'm very well. I'm very well, G. I'm very well. The uh, the sun is shining, and Leicester lockdown is slowly ending. So happy days, happy days. Wicked man, bring that. How about yourself, man? What's going on with? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm super psyched yeah. for uh, the conversation today as well. We've got one of your good pals on the conversation today, right? Yeah, we have. We have. We've got a special guy, man. Special guy. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and intro him, and then uh, yes. we'll get him in the podcast. So this. This is. Yeah. Uh, this is our. What is that? Is he our fourth special guest? I think so. Yeah, We're number four. Yeah, four special guests. So his name is Simon Dutton. I think he has a middle name, but he, he can reveal that. Uh, Simon Dutton is uh, is a personal trainer for Ultimate Performance. And those of you who know anything about personal training, uh, Ultimate Performance is a massive, massive company. World leaders in personal training in their own space. Uh, some really, really impressive work. And Simon Dutton is actually the head of education in UP Hong Kong. Um, massive post to be given, but to give to anybody, but Simon seriously deserves it. Um, his love for the gym first started in the year 2000 when he saw one Triple H, Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Uh, and he was, he, was, he was inspired not only by his physique, but by his confidence and his charisma when it came to everything involved with WWF, which it would have been at the time, I think. Simon can correct us on that. He's a massive, uh, he's a massive uh, wrestling fan. Uh, his current mission within the industry is twofold. To turn busy men in their 30s and 40s into real-life superheroes. To give trainers a system of education that allows them to develop their own unique method for high quality results something that simon knows all too well everyone says they have a passion for helping people but i thrive off being around confident people who are performing at their best whether it's seeing the light bulb turn uh, on helping a trainer or it's seeing confidence change when somebody achieves a physique they never thought was possible if I can help even a handful of people gain this confidence, I have won. That's a quote from Simon Dunn. Mm. And uh, just a little talk, a little, little, little add on the end. He taught me everything I know. So <laughs> <laughs> this is, when we get him in, I'm going to tell you more about that. So let's, let's get him in. Yeah. Without further ado. Hello. Here's the, here's the man himself. Yeah, I, did, I don't want you ever know. Nick Daniels got nothing. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was wondering how long it would take us to bring up Nick Daniel, but straight in, bam, <laughs> Nick Daniel. <laughs> love yeah. it, love it. <laughs> yeah, man. And, uh, yeah, so leading on there, leading on there, Simon literally is the mentor of mentors. I mean, I mean, no, dis- no disrespect to uh, to Matt Mills, who was my mentor when I was at UP City, but um, yeah, Simon was a huge, huge influence on me when I was at UP. So we, we will definitely get into all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Really excited to have you on, man. Amazing. Man. Uh, but, mate, buzz, buzzing to be on. Any chance to get to, you know, you know chat, chat, chat to you guys, is, it's always exciting. It's always worth it. So be looking forward to it. Yeah, we yeah, appreciate man. it, man. Sure. Good to have you. And you are in Hong Kong right now, right? I am, yeah. So just as I said before we came on, just been here just over a year. Literally, I arrived about a day before my 29th birthday. So I've now just turned 30, decade older and wiser. Um, and, yeah, man, Welcome. it's all right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah happy birthday simon well late happy thank birthday. you very much it was last yeah, weekend wasn't much. it last weekend yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Nice, nice, i had like nice. a, a week off work my other half decided to plan something for every day for over the course nice. of the week like an event which was awesome but we had to work around restrictions going in and out of place 
So should we had like changed everything, all the evening plans had to be gone, and then lunchtime plans then got derailed, and then they came back. So it was a it's exciting birthday, to say the least. That sounds like the kind of birthday when, when somebody asks, when you when you have a kid and he's, he turns 30, you'd be like, oh, you know what I did for my birthday? I had to go around Hong Kong trying to avoid the, the, the coronavirus restrictions and you go to all that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Birthday, me versus coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. What's, uh, what's life like right now with that? Um, we, we, we're just going into our third wave. So we, we hmm. obviously, we got it pretty much first after um china and then it, but it didn't really hit much um and then it sort of like died off and then we had our sort of like mini second wave and that's when the gym shut for the first time and then we went down for zero case for a while it looked like it was light at the end of the tunnel and then end of midway through july it started creeping up again and now the gyms are shut now probably at least till september realistically but wow. fingers crossed sooner so still nothing like the us or or uk in terms of cases we're still like like early hundreds um and now down to late like late 90s but the biggest we've had so i was gonna say that that sounds like the 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 limit the upper limit by from which kind of tells them that we need to close it down seems a lot lower than what we have here here it's 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 Hmm. 600 700 right i mean i I don't know too well but it seems like you guys are much more strict i i I don't necessarily know what i think of that either because i think on one hand, it's quite good that we, you know, in like we obviously controlled things quite well in the early stages. I think a lot of that attributes to, you know, people being so scared after SARS that mm. people were wearing wearing masks anyway. Um, because there's such a big helper culture here in Hong Kong, um, there was there were a lot a lot of schools could be closed quite quickly because people didn't have to find someone to look after the children. People could still go to work. So I, you know, so I think in a way, the fact that we react quick is quite a good thing. On, on, on the flip side, I mean, if anyone saw my Instagram rant earlier today about the exaggeration of yeah. cases that, that the UK have now um, proved to have, that like whether I'm worried that if you test more people, they'll find more people and in turn restrict things even more. And, you know, in that case, business is just going to, you know, go downhill, especially our bars and restaurants. Mm-hmm. I just have fear for them. I'm really glad I don't own a bar. Yeah. yeah I, I saw, I saw that, what you supposed to actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I saw I saw you posted about that as well, where they've been uh, like jacking up the numbers basically because of uh, how they're counting it as well. Did they say like the the what the ratio is, like what the percentage of those numbers actually are? No, they didn't. All, all, all I heard is that you could have got a, a case of coronavirus in like mid February, recovered, been fine for months, and then got hit by a bus. But you'd still go down as a coronavirus death statistic. Yeah. It's, crazy. It's, it's scary to think that that's, that's obviously that's the, the, the number that governs all the restrictions. You know, yeah. and I mean, I'm all for a restriction place that are generally there to keep us safe, but I'm just, you know, it's like, is, is it? Because these numbers are heavily inflated. But I don't want to make this a David Icke conspiracy theory episode. So, you know, like, <laughs> Hong Kong is great. Really nice place to live. <laughs> you've, you've said the word now, so we're already, we're already off air now, man. You've said David Icke. It's done. It's done. Yeah, exactly. Bruce Willis is going to come kick my One or two things will happen. You'll like, you like, well, either sink you or you'll be into the stratosphere. Either yeah, way, exactly. man, what is it? Is, was it no, no uh, publicity is all good publicity? There's no such thing as bad publicity. Exactly. Glad I could help. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, man. Cheers. Appreciate it. Like, uh, yeah. What's um, what was it like before? Like, uh, what was uh, was there a culture shock when you came over when you went over to Hong Kong, or was it pretty seamless? Like, what were you, how were you taken care of? 
uh, it's an interesting place because it, it, it it's that half of that um it's enough of a culture shock to feel like you're you've gone somewhere new and interesting and exciting but there's a because it was a former british colony it was is enough similarity to make you feel at home quite quickly. Um, mm. I've asked people have asked me a lot, or do I prefer London or do I prefer Hong Kong? And in a way, I think I prefer London as a city because it's got so much more history. The architecture is great, but I think Hong Kong, the lifestyle is fantastic. Like I can be on top of a hike, and in half an hour I could be on the beach, or I could be mm. in an Asian version of New York. You know, like it's got so much. You know, on an island, you know, I can look out my window and see islands. Um, right. It's just, it's just awesome. Nice, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, like, and we've not had a smooth ride since I moved over here because we've obviously now got coronavirus. We have protests, so you know, mm. I, I, I about three months. My three month anniversary was celebrated by getting tear gas. Um, no way, which is something I didn't expect to happen in my life at all. Yeah, so anniversaries and birthdays ain't going so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's, it's the protest industry. I, I suppose it's like I'd rather. Not that I, I want to be in the middle of protests and not that I'm asking to ever be tear gassed again. I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But it, I, I think, you know, if, if there's something to tell your grandkids about, like, oh, you know, I was in Hong Kong when, you know, mm. you know when the coronavirus happened, when the protests happened, when the new law came in, it, it's something more interesting to say than, you know, how was time in Hong Kong? It was great. Went to the beach. You know, like, it's yeah. got that little bit more of a story to tell, which is it's the only way to look at it and have a positive light in anything, really. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, lay on us how you guys know each other. Do you want to take um, it, Umar? Uh, yeah, I'll take yeah, it. Let's, let's yeah, let's, let's hear both versions. I always, like, versions. Uh, always <laughs> like to know what's, what's the difference. <laughs> this is, uh, so I, where was I? Where was I at the time? I had just, uh, second time I had applied for UP. I had applied the first time, shown up, not got the job, felt super disheartened, went back. This is this intertwines, intersects with TJ's time with me because after the first time mm. i went i went i went the second time and um that's when i actually booked onto a course before going and booked onto this course thinking i'm gonna upskill i'm gonna get better at my job i'm gonna understand more things and then i'll be recognized by up and i'll be able to work there fantastic so i show up on this course taught by uh, tom hibbert from um is it winning health solutions site winning performance yeah, winning one of the yeah, yeah winning winning health right great course really well taught um as we go around the room um introduce yourself tell me a bit, a bit, a bit about yourself um we'll go around so it comes to comes to me and um and i say yeah my name and i say why i'm here and tom who was actually coaching me at the time he says and umar's actually just got a job working for ultimate performance and uh, that's something that he should be very very proud of and, and good job and i think at the time simon was sat next to me i don't know whether we had, had we spoken before that we had spoken, right? So, so Simon then said his part, and he's like, "I actually work at Ultimate Performance." And I was like, "Oh shit, this guy works! Right? I'm about to go work." And uh, he was working at the branch I had actually got the job at, which was which is Ultimate Performance City. And um, it all went from there. It all went from there. We ended up pairing together for for a lot of the the teamwork stuff on the day of the course. Simon's a super sound guy. We ended up going for lunch. Uh, me, Simon, and Tom uh, talking. I think I took your number that day, and um, yeah, we just went from there. That's uh, is that how you remember it, Sai? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I second the fact that Tom Hibbert, really, really smart guy, like proper king of programming, right? The guy he knows long to program better than most. So um, I ended up on that course through a friend of mine, Anthony Jones, who owns Shapeshifters Gym in Birmingham. So I, I came back home, saw my friend's family whilst I was there, and then ran into Umar. As you say, just just teared up, 
for most of those things. It was a fascial therapy course. Yeah. So it was like doing, using different tools and stuff and like working on this unit. I think I left with cramp in my hands for about a week. Um, but it was, it was yeah. It was, but you, you, you could tell the passion this guy had straight off the bat for what he did, right? Not only both like in, in the terms of education and just like wanting to learn more, you know, not no ego in wanting to learn more as well, which always is always a big like kick in the box for me, right? That, you know, I'm half the size of Umar, right? And, you know, I'd, I'd like to go pick up a few things here and there, but I'm, I'm certainly by no means the finished article in terms of expert. But you know ego, want to learn from everyone in the room. And, you know, it, it just hit it off from there. So then, you know, he was, you weren't sure at the time where you were, you were going to go to UP Manchester or, or City, right? And uh, no. thanks for you got the City job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, well, I appreciate that, man. You said some really kind things there. Um, my, I, I can't remember if it was Manchester. Yeah, you're right, actually. You're right, actually. I think I, I was leaning toward Manchester. A little bit, but then, um, yeah, I came to my senses and said City, and uh, yeah, man, we all, all kind of went from there. But uh, yeah, likewise, dude, likewise. I, I think I think there was a lot of people in the room that day. I remember there was some really cool guys, like people I I'd, I'd known from Instagram who were like strength athletes and and um, decent personal trainers that I'd heard of, but I never heard of Simon. But the reason I stuck it out with Simon is because of some of the things that he mentioned in regards to myself. Which thank you very much. Which was zero ego really hard worker you could tell that he was about the process you know what i mean and like mm. from day one i mean during this is why me and you hit it off right because he's yeah. just he's just in he's in for those reps right those ones that just teach me let me ask you questions let me learn about this let, let me let me kind of he's cool like what you said last time being the fool so one day he will be the master and in my opinion he's he's definitely going that way 100 percent, and then being recognized by some pretty awesome people in the industry um for the work he's put in you know what i mean it's like for, for me i feel like simon's going to be one of these people who will pop up onto the scene and be like, oh, he's overnight success. But he's he's gonna have that same story of like, but I've been I've been trolling for the last so many years to, to be this overnight success. And like he'll tell you a bit more about about some of the I remember him talking to me about the travels he would make to UP at the start. Going from where was it like you would go from from Wolverhampton. Yeah, to London daily. Yeah. That was where you're coming from. Yeah. Never, never, shit, never again. Man. <laughs> never, never can you again. imagine can you imagine how god damn talk talk me that side quickly just we'll get on topic again in a second but i need to hear this so so i, I got the i got the job i've been at up now for six or seven years long enough that i don't remember the exact year um yeah and then so when i when i started i was um very very broke um to the point where i think i think i applied about six or seven times to get the job at UP. And it was turned in every time. And I was literally to the point where I didn't, I thought, there's no point, I'm not going to bother applying again. There's no chance. And my um, my partner, who's still my partner, um, convinced me to send in one more application. And that was the application that eventually got accepted into UP. And I remember getting the, like, getting the job, and it was, uh, I came back, I used to work three jobs to make money. So I used to work as a personal trainer, version actor, I used to work, um, I used to work promo for a club um, in nightclub in Birmingham called Risa. Um, and then I also used to uh, go to Hindus dressed in not very much um, to be a butler. <laughs> yes. um, so everything I could oh, to yes. try and make a little bit of money. <laughs> so I, I remember I, I got this job and it was, I got the offer from UP at like three in the morning after I got back from a Risa job. I got email saying it was accepted. Um, and I was like so excited. But I, I couldn't wake up anybody because it's three in the morning. I couldn't scream. My flatmate was in, so I was just like, 
didn't know what to do. <laughs> and eventually I woke my parents up and made them listen to me. But then I, about a week later, I, my, my cards got shut off because I ran out of money. Man, I hit my overdraft limit and I, I couldn't afford to pay for my insurance and my first aid certificate that I needed to, mm. to, to before I could even be given the job. So I was at despair and again, you know, giving another shout out to my amazing girlfriend. She actually loaned me the money to get those, um, those certificates. So I, I owe her my career, really. Um, but when I got the job, um, I lived with my parents back in Womben. So Womben is a big village just outside Wolverhampton. So it's about half an hour in to um, Wolverhampton where I got the train. And there's probably one bus in every hour. And after the time, it would either come late or even worse, early. So you just miss it entirely. Oh, Get to Wolverhampton, two and a half, basically like a, what, an hour, an hour and 20 minutes, um, hour and a half uh, train journey into a Houston station. And then Houston, I used to have another like 15, 20 minutes into uh, city. And I used to do that mm. there and back. So a good two and two, two and a half hour journey, you know, depending on bus time every day, there and back, six days a week. Um, so I used to get back at probably about just before midnight, up at four, repeat the whole journey again. Uh, that, was my, that was my days when I started. How long did you do what that? A legend. What a legend. So it's probably about, Two and a half, three months. I had a client that I still trained who I trained at his house way before um, I got the job at UV. And hmm. he was, what I was going through was the only client I took left because everyone else was a surgeon. And he said he's got a cousin that lived in Axton Town. So I ended up sleeping on his floor for a, a couple of weeks until I found a, found a flat in, in Shoreditch, which it was an illegally sublet council flat. You know, you paid a a sneaky Colombian guy in a back alley, six hundred pound in cash, and you got to stay there. Um, but it, it's got a good me, deal, man. Got me a walk and work. It was a great deal. I, I, I was yeah. saying this to Ellie the other day. That I, I like, um, you know, I'm not the not the plug money. I'm, I'm by far not a wealthy man. But I was like, like the only time where I've been comfortable with money, other than now, and at that time when I was a junior, and I wasn't earning much. It was just that I wasn't spending much because I did the, again. Sneaky Colombian backhanded rent. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, if you want to go into, you know, this will go off topic of a fitness podcast, but if you want to go into sort of like London flat type house, that's the worst, worst story. Mm. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. We can, we can epic, get into all man. that, Simon. We can get into all of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is epic. What was it, so, man, six or seven times just getting rejected for the application and just, just came back one more time? What, what was it about UP that? was like, I have to work here. I mean, like, I was a proper fanboy. I was going to have all the t-shirts before I even got the job, right? Like, I looked like I worked for UP, maybe not in terms of muscle mass and physique, but in terms of uniform before I even got the job. Um, mm. I think for me, it was like, so I was at second year university. I'd, um, I was doing sport and exercise science, and I never really knew what I wanted to do with that degree. I actually knew I liked sport. Uh, I couldn't play rugby professionally, so I was like, okay, what do I do? So I, I went to sport and exercise science and I, I, I just off the heels of uh, my first long-term breakup, which, you know, like every, like every teenager that gets dumped for the first time, I went through a big spile of mess and it was you know, embarrassing to nearly all my friends. And it, just, it went to the whole sort of point where I, I, I used training and fitness in a way to sort of get me out of that hole. And I think that gave, gave me the confidence again to start speaking to people and gain confidence again. And that's when I sort of looked into the personal trainer route. And there was two things 
the first thing I wanted to do was uh, be on the cover of Men's Health, and I, I wanted to enter the Men's Health cover model competition, um, which I did. Didn't get very far, but I have done it. Um, and then the other one was I saw one of the earliest blog posts that UPF put up about a horrible leg workout that Nick done, which I was before we even saw. I think it was like Glenn and like probably Pete, uh, Big Bush and Pete Kotarski. I think I don't, I'm not sure those names might even be Tom Whitehead. Did this horrible leg workout, and I was just inspired by it. I just I love that everyone in that that gym had incredible physiques. The, you know, had this presence. The results were unreal. And at that time, I was like, well, I don't just want to be a personal trainer and just be on the gym floor. I want to learn how to master my craft and be the best. And I decided to do that from, from day one. And that, that sort of hunger and drive has never really left me. Like, even when I came to UP, I felt, you know, I've always had a bit of imposter syndrome, but I really had imposter syndrome walking into that gym where we had, like, Nick Daniel was a week out from his competition and he was crazy shredded. We had Justin McGuire, who was about 120-odd kilos, like, lean South African beef. And, you know, and then me being one of the smaller guys in that place. And I, so I, I knew that I wanted to be, at one point, be the guy that was, you know, not necessarily running the place, but certainly one of the people that was looked up to in terms of knowledge. So I, I knew I had to work hard. And that's why doing that journey didn't, didn't bother me so much. It was horrible, but, mm. like, just get, it's just what you needed to do, right? Get, yeah, man. Get on with it. Yeah. You got that passion, you're just gonna drive through and just doesn't matter what you're gonna do, you're gonna make it happen. So, man, when you when you know your yeah. why you can enjoy anyhow, right? That's yeah, that's and, and I and I felt I felt in a way that I didn't deserve to be there. Yeah. I felt I didn't deserve to be there. So I I, 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 I thought that I had to outwork everybody because I wasn't, you know, hundred and twenty kilos and it didn't have any results to my name. So I, I had to go do something that other people weren't willing to do. To, yeah. to even compete. That's brilliant, man. That's brilliant. That's, that's a great mentality to have. I think a lot of people couldn't learn a lot from that. It's um, yeah. it's it's you you knew you couldn't play the mass game, but then there's no there's no limit on the knowledge game, and like that's that's where your influence on me comes in, which is like me see, me coming into UP, um, seeing accomplished trainers. But I remember on I remember kind of on day one, not being blown away by the gym floor as in people training on the gym floor not kind of not kind of thinking oh, okay people are pushing big weights or because i didn't walk into justin mcguire i didn't walk into to seeing nick daniel shredded to the to the bones right i i walked into less sometimes sometimes not trainers kind of doing their thing and whatever right but i did walk into trainers being solely about the process of helping their clients and none more so than you none more so than being super invested in knowing your clients knowing them backwards emailing them constantly finding out what they are finding out who, what kind of program is best for them and that was like wow this guy is going above and beyond and i think that you walking into that room seeing those people was the genesis of you not probably wasn't genesis because you've done this before you're always about the process but it was it was the thing that really set you apart up and this is why you've stood the test of time like that that's that's uh that's the effect it had on me which was like i'm, I'm super impressed by how this guy goes about his client process that's amazing hmm I think at the time, I mean, it was it's an element of fake it to make it because I, I think that I, I didn't really have a process. I was throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what worked. And I think a lot of the ethos now in terms of the way I think of education, which I think is a little bit different um, than a lot of what of like co-ed educators do. And I, I, I've learned that from looking at like looking back at where I struggled and where things didn't work. And for me, I spent a number of years bouncing between 
mentors, courses, and, and never really taking anything in, just been throwing out, like, taking little bits, but never really having that clear path. And then when I saw people that came into UP that did really well, and it's like, okay, the, often they're the people that didn't have as much imposter syndrome, they have a little bit of, you know, is it, you know is it, I can't even remember the name, is it Diane Kruger effect, the one where people overestimate their abilities. Um, but but what those creepy. people did, is it, yeah, that's right, yeah. So they they have this, like, they, they, because they overestimate their abilities, you just have this system. They didn't look elsewhere, they didn't overthink it, they just, bang, they have this system, and then they went for it. And these guys did really, really successful, where I was successful in my own way, but I was, I was sort of like, fumbling through how to do things. I think there's, there's an element of like, like, like in every good answer, there's always a middle ground here. And I think those, those people may struggle down the line when they're not, they, they, they get to something they don't understand and they, they, they haven't got that ability to think critically, to push the boundaries, to think outside the box. But on the flip side, I think a lot of the times when we, when we look at education in terms of trying to teach people like, not all this knowledge first and this deep science with no application and no system, it just leaves people more lost and more confused. Mm -hmm. So like what I've done over the number of years is from a number of great mentors, it's just over time finally got to the point where I've got a system of working. So now when I now hopefully when I now try and pass knowledge down the chain to you know, I get people to not waste time on the things that I did and not make the same things I did by trying to give someone a system of working. So then when I put layer knowledge onto that they can take that knowledge and apply it onto something. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, framework first and then, you know, put whatever you want in that framework, basically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, I can speak personally about, about you talked about, the, is it Dunning-Kruger effect? I've not heard mm -hmm. that before, but it made the way you explained it made total sense in the sense that I knew when I walked into UP, I was definitely on that side of the, that side of the argument in the sense that, I didn't have a process. I never really knew the details, but I always knew application. I always knew that's a barbell. We're going to go lift it until you get jacked. That's it, right? Like it, it was. And that was that was my that was my only method. Whether you were female and and forty percent body fat, whether you were male and ten percent body fat, we could be more jacked. We can we can get more tension. We can we can kind of go into this, right? And um, then, uh, luckily enough, this this is I genuinely believe that I'm I'm put in the room with people that are supposed to help me always right yeah, I, I, I i certainly group both of you in that in that category for moving me forward in life because i swear i'm just like neanderthal that that's now been taught to walk and talk and and play the role <laughs> by by people like you two right and uh and simon definitely definitely kind of like took me under his wing in that sense obviously first first meeting at tom's place um but then showing me how to kind of go through this how to go through clients how to go through diet i remember you that you were the first person at up who actually sent me information on 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 uh, nutrition, which was something that I knew nothing about. I mean, talking about I, I, this is how little I knew about that was. I swear, I, I had done my uh, my case study, and actually, I didn't know anything past nine calories per gram, four calories per gram, four calories per gram. I literally didn't know anything past that. Carb cycling, this, that, high days, low days, reload, back feeding, front loading, all this bullshit, nothing, right? And Sai was the first person who actually said, "Oh, I, I can send you some information on this." And I was like, wow, this is this is the only person. And legit, and that, 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 there's a lot of shared information in that place, but sometimes well, it wasn't too forthcoming. But then you've got somebody who's like, oh, I, can, I can help you. I can help you. I can. And just being so forthcoming with it just uh, makes somebody feel super comfortable. And that's why now you're talking about bringing other trainers through. It gives me so much confidence to know that the way you're doing it right now is a massive success. And like, any, any 
if I can give a, a piece of advice to any trainer out there, young, old, wherever in the industry, this guy can help you. Simon Dutton can help you move forward. He can help you move forward, can help your clients move forward, help them, help their families, and so on and so on and so on and so forth. Right. So if you're speaking, listen. Simply put. I think I think the thing that it goes into the other, other foot as well, though, right? Like I think at the moment RCS is the example, right? Is 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 the big thing, right? Everyone's everyone's doing RCS, everyone's looking at Xbox mechanics. And I am a massive uh, mechanics nerd. Would you so RCS? So Tom right. Purvis, um, really incredibly smart guy uh, in America, created this course called RTS. It's also taught by Michael Goulden uh, with Integra, uh, which is well worth going to listen to Michael. If you want to learn how to think critically about exercise, Michael Goulden is your guy. Um, and and, and uh, this is not bashing RTS in any stretch of imagination. I, I'm a massive nerd for the exercise mechanics route, but it, 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 it's almost attracted to a degree the people that, you, you, you know, there's a, there's a select few people that have managed to take this with real world application and put it together and made it apply it how it should be applied. But there's also a lot of people that take it now going so far into the mechanics route that they never do what Umar just said earlier on about picking up a barbell, training hard, creating tension, work ethic. I, and I think that's often quite missed where you don't sort of match these things. And I know that I've, in my education, I've gone, I've wavered that line of sometimes being a bit too cautious with learning through things, maybe being a little, throwing caution to wind a little bit too much with other things. I'm just because of where I was in terms of my education. And I, I think in the same way that maybe Umar learned sort of systems in education, me, I certainly learned from both Umar and the big dudes that I went and trained with if work ethic was got training. Now, I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but I'm probably about 10 kilos bigger than I was when I first walked into a UPG. And then that certainly come from, you know, just, you know, this, I've trained smarter. But hands down, if I had to pick one of the two, training harder is definitely been the thing that's got me there right. that's really interesting man really interesting i wonder how that would sit with a lot of people kind of learning a lot of the stuff they're learning nowadays isn't it there's a time and a place for everything but i just think yeah. like tj uh, tj has a great way with this and he just, he's just like do it just do it like just be about mm. doing it and you can read about it mm. and you can go to the you go to the application days and you can figure out how to m manipulate the cams and work out the perfect drop off and look at the joint angles and everything like that. It's fine. Great. Fantastic. But the moment that starts detracting from the work and usually find that the people that make the most progress while knowing all that stuff, are like still the guys in the gym who are busting their asses. Like you, we talk about mm -hmm. like Callum and the muscle mentors and uh, shout out to Alex, uh, the muscle mentors. These are the guys that are actually just putting tissue on people's frames with applying this knowledge. It's like, if you're, if you're on the end of the curve and you're like you're talking, talking about, putting 10 kilos on it in, in a couple of a couple of years if you haven't done that to yourself you're not moving forward you're learning things but you're just not moving forward in, in this in this realm which is supposed to be the goal right it's supposed to be the goal of learning ex precise exercise mechanics is so that you can actually put somebody into a machine make them move better make them feel better by making them train hard and making them train efficiently so yeah you're missing yeah. you're missing the point i think i think i think if this is a title of this podcast it was going to be something like the answers always in the middle right You'll get the people, as you said, they're paralysis by analysis, and they spend so much time studying stuff, they never actually apply it on the gym floor. And then, you know, then you've got the other people that throw caution to wind and understand that most people that are big, that teach exercise mechanics, probably didn't get big doing this exercise mechanics. Now. Most of the people are really, really good at exercise mechanics now. It's because they've trained a certain way hard, realized it messed the joints up a little bit, yeah. and now retrospectively mm. going, well, now how do I sort my elbows out through 
the straight barbell curls that I can't supinate at all. And now I'm doing straight barbell curls because Arnie did it. And but so and, and people will criticize both ends of that spectrum. But it's not necessarily a bad thing that you know that they're they're trying to work smarter now and save the joints. That's there's a lot of knowledge in there. And also maybe they should have done it when they were twenty one and get the same results and not better results. But also you've got to take that advice a little bit of a pinch of salt, knowing that the advice they're giving now might not have been the advice that got them there in the first place. And um, Nick, Nick Daniels always said this as well, right? If you, if, you, if you never, ever pick up a nickel, you're probably not training hard enough. Now, you shouldn't be destroyed at 21 with broken all the time, but like, if you don't pick up anything, you know, you, you're, probably, you're probably not training to the you know, response to get a good stimulus. The way I kind of look at that as well is that is, um, training also smokes out your weaknesses. So it's like I could be sitting here and doing nothing and I feel like I'm good in my body. And then as soon as I start putting some stress on it, it's like, oh, wait, you know what? you got this going on here, which isn't doing too well. Or you got that going on, which isn't doing too well. All right, I'm going to go fix that. I'm going to become stronger, more functional, and then I'm going to keep adding more stress to the system so I can become more and more resilient. That's um, that's how I kind of look at those niggles and those injuries. It's like, okay, my body's telling me something that I'm, I'm, I want to push to the next level. I'm not quite there yet. I need to take care of this. I take care of this. I'm able to break through at the next level. Then the next thing will show me like where it's, uh, next thing will come up where it's like, okay, this is the next thing you need to take care of. And you keep doing that. It's an iterative process. You get better and better and better. You get stronger and stronger and stronger in your body by addressing it that way. Yeah. And I, I think I think that's why like the, the popularity of like Jordan Shallow has become so big. Because he takes that, that, that therapist world and, you know, understands that, okay, you can get someone out of pain, but until you actually put them in an area of stress, you don't see where these things break down. What exactly. he has managed to do very, very successfully is take a powerlifting background and understand what happens when you place load on a structure. And then, okay, now how can we sort that? Um, and, you know, the guy, and you know, Umar's done PS level one, and I know you're just started PS level one, and you, you can mm. vouch for how, how, how smart that guy is, right? But, like, yeah. As you quite rightly said, the, you were too, until you put a level of stress on something, you don't really know what weaknesses are. So, mm-hmm. like, you maybe if you take somebody through like a phase of training, you get someone. Most people I deal with are, are broken, to say the least, right? From 30, 40 years of sports and poor posture and desk work and you know, infra- chronic inflammation, things like this. So maybe you spend the first two or three, you know, phases of training broadly getting them stable. And maybe being a little bit safer, but there's got to be a point then where you've got to then go right. Okay, now we've covered the big rocks of their yeah. programming and their stability. Well, we've got to we've got to test it and find out where our focus needs to last. Yeah, exactly. And like into that point that Umar made about uh, you know you you put in the room with people because it's supposed to make you better is uh, uh, yeah I totally I totally feel you on that from because this is one thing I was uh, which I which I love about the relationship that we have is like you're coming from that end of the spectrum is like I'm going to put you under the barbell and we're going to keep putting tension on until you just get bigger and I'm coming from the other end of the spectrum which is you need to take care of yourself let's let's sort out all your weaknesses first and then build you up and uh, yeah for sure I was stuck in that a little bit too much where it was just a bit too cautious with people and so we've been on that journey where i'm looking to push more into that end that you're at and you're trying to bring yourself to the end that i'm at and we're kind of like crossing over in the middle and uh, yeah we're just accumulating all that information so it's like i'm picking up stuff from you guys and just what you're saying there as well uh, as much as as much as you know i'm helping you out on that front as well and this that's been a huge thing for me because it just gives me a lot more confidence to realize that you know, as long as I've been in the game and as much as I can help people, there's always something else that I could be better at. 
and um, and it's a part it's a part of changing your mind for how you also get results and build resilience in people is is uh, i think is a big thing to consider it makes you better it makes you better as well like it's always it's always good to have people that give, make give, make you like creatively stimulated that big and bounce ideas are not always going to be yes men to you it, like it's exactly. always good you know you, you know i've had many conversations with umar about this we've bounced ideas off each other of different things and, and it goes all the way to the top right it, it, like success these clues um there was a great podcast i, I listened to a london real episode i think with um coach Shomna, who made gymnastic body and he was at oh, loggerheads with uh, Stuart mcgill for years because someone was always about okay when in sport and in life are you going to be in a neutral spine where Stuart mcgill is about neutral spine neutral spine neutral spine now neither of those are wrong one deals with athletes understanding that movement, you know, dynamic movement and everything outside of the sagittal plane is still, you need to train that resilience. Whereas, you know, McGill is training, you know, you know 50, 60 year old women with disc herniations, maybe a neutral spine's good. And, and because of this, they were polarizing for years. And eventually when they started to like hash it out and communicate, they realized that the anthem was in the middle and it was case dependent. And I, th- I think, you know, the more you can get yourself out of your comfort zone and, interact with people that you know either have a differentness of opinion or challenge you it's the only way of making you better the easiest way to stay stagnant is not have people that make you that challenge you. Mm. yeah isn't it like mcgill he was also dealing with just a lot of fucked up backs as well basically so he's yeah. like like brian carroll who's just got basically no discs left he's completely shot to pieces but he's helping him re- rehabilitate and then comes back to a place where he can actually break world records in the weightlifting uh scene or powerlifting and um so he's like yeah we need to ensure neutral spine because like he's from that he's coming from that spend, end of the spectrum which is I'm just seeing a lot of mess, so we need to fix that. And then um, I can't remember. Yeah, is Coach Sumner's? Is yeah, that his name? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then coming out from the other angle, it's like, well, actually, I'm not dealing with fucked up people, and I see a lot of uh, movement through the spine. And all right, how are we gonna how are we gonna figure out an answer which is in between what we're both saying? So that's um, yeah. I think that's. Well, so you got the RTS perspective. The RTS perspective, mm-hmm. where it's like you can't, you can't, you haven't got an X-ray. You can't see what shape right. someone's spine is. Yeah. So what's yeah. my neutral? What's your neutral? What's your neutral? Is going to be an entirely mm-hmm. different thing, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think you know, learning more how to assess and learning more the individual differences in people become huge there. Like, okay, mm-hmm. what is your neutral? And then what can you do? What's your capability? Now we can try and fix issues and try and like you know, let's say if, you, if you're overly kyphotic, we can still stretch the pecs and working on your teeth by extension and get your, you know, the lower traps engaged. And that may help. And if it does, fantastic. But we can try it, understanding that, you know, as long what in our program, we've worked around that. So it's, that's not a hindrance to our program. So if it doesn't get better, if your spine is just that shape, we, we, we know pretty quick that this ain't working. Okay, we just need to work around what is your structural limitation. Yeah. And like, so yeah. true. So yeah, so. structural limitations versus functional limitations, isn't it? Mm. That's the one. That's the one. I remember having I mean, explained like it's on a spectrum, right? Everything is on a spectrum. Right? Who, who said that first? Poliquin who said that first, I think, or I remember him saying it first. Um, so many things that are probably Poliquin in some way, shape, or form, and so many things that are Poliquin are probably Olympic lifting coaches from 100 years ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? exactly. So, like, they all have the same. You know, they, they all, this maybe shows my age here. But do you remember, like, at uh, 
in old like eighties and nineties movies, there was always seven separations from Kevin Bacon. Like if you yes, name an actress, there'd always be seven separations. Kevin Bacon. There's seven separations from Charles Holtzman. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. No, exactly. The guy's legacy will live on for years. That's it. That's it. He's like, he's like Ramesses of lifting. That guy. <laughs> the guy was the guy was phenomenal. He was controversial, in, but mm. like. He, he popularized like I don't, there wouldn't be a up without charles Bolton. yeah a lot that's of things the, we do yeah that's that, that, that's the guy that got me to join up charles Bolton was because i i genuinely thought that because if you went the way up website back in the day he was the head of education right and uh well pff, there you go sir you got big shoes to fill there right i mean uh <laughs> he, 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 he was he was the global head of of uh of like um what was it i, I swear it was education i swear it was education or it was something along those lines and, I don't um, even think he was that. actually directly affiliated with UP. No. I think I think he was just a, an old mentor of Nick. Exactly. And he he did a lot of these like, UP, like education for UP trainers. So I did yeah, um, yeah. bioprints in Marbella with him, um, which was uh, it's one of the, the later courses of Charles Poliquin's career. And, and anyone that's been on a seminar with Charles knows that he, he's either really engaged or he's really not. And both the times are <laughs> entertaining, but they're in different ways. And with this, I think he he had given up on bioprint at that point. Like. He'd fall asleep in the middle of the UP Marbella gym and then he'd come back late to every section and then just tell stories about his weightlifting. And I remember, I'm talking about controversial, right? So we're all there with our eyeliner, pencils, and like marking people up to the you know, perfect level. And he'd, use, he'd like just go with his hands, grab, grab someone's subscap and go like, he started off, he started off nice and went 26. And then someone measured with calipers and it'd be pretty much 26. Every time, he'd just go with his hands and feel it. And then by the end of the weekend, when he was clearly bored... You're talking about body fat, up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he'd, he'd yeah. grab someone's hamstring measurement and just go, fat. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> just like, that's it, just too much. And I was like, guy's head goes down and walks out. Uh, you know, like... Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the way, like... So entertaining. You listen to, you listen to Mark Coles' uh, podcast on... Uh, Mark Coles' episode on RX Radio. And he talks about the effect mm. that that Charles had on him by saying to him that he basically wasn't big enough and his squat was probably shit. And it's like it's like going into a room with somebody who puts you, oh my god, like puts you under pressure, forces you to change. It's, it just ties back into what we were talking about before. Like you need that pressure from somebody mm. to to call you on your bush, call you on your bullshit almost, and be like, okay, well, can you can we can we affect this structure in some other way? Can we affect this this learning process in some other way? And at the end of the day, it's only going to move you forward. I'm talking about like going back again to what we were talking before about learning having education via a system. You know, like it, it's not done very often, and I'm certainly not the not the first person to think this way. I mean, Pollock was the master of it. Teach you how to do GBC, and then I'll teach you why. Teach you how to take caliper readings, and then we'll teach you why. Rather, you know, and like rather than what we see a lot now in terms of education, when we'll have five or six weeks of like deep dive into anatomy because you need to understand the science before you understand what you're doing. Yeah, but that's gone so in and one ear and out the other that by the time you get to applying it, the person's just lost. We've probably all had times where we've, we've, we've been struggling to understand anatomy and all of a sudden we'll have a client on a hamstring curl and all of a sudden you'll just see it and you go, that's how the hamstrings work. It's because you've got someone on a hamstring curl, you've seen it, you've understood, but you visualized it and then when you go back to studying it, now you can reference it. Mm. You know, so... Like the way I like to work, work with people now, I, I the more like people think that you know everything should be completely tailored and personalized. I agree with this, but I think if you never have any systems whatsoever, you have you just have too many things. And you, I've seen trainers spend 
hours and hours and hours trying to work out the most perfect macro to me for a, for, a, for a client. I was like, just put them on something. Everything you do is an educated guess. Get them to do it, and then you adjust and learn from what happens. Yeah. You know, and the same thing applies when it comes to sort of weight training. It's like, okay, there's a million training systems that will work for this client right now. Let's create a system where we find the biggest common denominator, what's going to work with 70% of your clients, what system works for you. Now, what system works for me might be very different to what works for your clients. So for me, I, you know, I have something that I'll call essentially like a reset phase when that time it's going to be, it's probably going to be full body workouts, probably going to be higher reps. It's going to be exercise that challenge muscles at the most length and most shortened range. It's going to be a lot of external stability, um, you know, a lot of counter force work, a lot of machine work to get to learn how to create tension on a muscle. You know, in, you know, in that time I'm using nutrition, probably start low carb, teach them how to fuel it, teach them how to utilize nutrition better. And then getting their health markers in a good space so they can utilize more food, blood pressure, resting heart rate, things like this, right? So, you know, that may be how I work with a beginner client. And over time, I'll start to progress those into more big lifts. But because I've now been stronger at the extremities and got them stable, by the time I get into a squat, it shouldn't be terrible. I should have to cue less. But if you're working for sake of argument with a, um, like, say, a footballer, and, you know, you know, say, you know you, you've got, from, on the season, you may not want to train like high intensity hamstrings the day before, um, you know, again, because you might tear a hamstring, maybe a system that evolves something like daily undulating periodization and different exoskeleton might be good for you. But it's finding that system that, okay, we've ironed out this system. And like, you don't need to know the ins and outs of why it works yet. Just get experiencing it with clients, get using it. And now you're in the trenches doing stuff. As we teach you stuff, I can then go, this is why this works with what you're doing. They have an immediate reference point and it immediately goes in and they can immediately apply it rather than trying to teach all this. And by the time you've taught all this knowledge, you've gone and tried, tried to apply it. You've forgotten half the stuff you learned at the start. It's got to be this fluid process as you're learning stuff as you're applying it. But I've learned so much by becoming more into the education and the mentoring space because I have to take something I learn and be able to explain it to somebody who's got half the experience I do. And all of a sudden, now I then explain it better to my clients. I apply it better with my clients. And it, it, that's, that's not a coincidence. Whereas I think a lot of times, a lot of, a lot of courses miss the boat because they, they focus too heavy on the ego of, and ego being the good word, of educating people and sounding smart but actually really not helping somebody where they're at. Mm. Yeah, man. You gotta, the best way to learn is to teach. Yeah. Most people are lost. Yeah. Most people are lost. They can't see the far through the trees. But it's, it's, it's a case of like different ways of learning, right, as well. So you look at like mm -hmm. tactile, like kind of touching something, feeling something, actually being there and knowing that, oh, shit, I have to really brace on this hamstring curl. Otherwise, it's not going to go anywhere. Like um, I have to really use the machine. Oh, it's made this way for a reason. You know, these handles, they're here for a reason. But we can actually hold it this way. And we can, we can go at this in so many different ways. But sitting in a classroom and, and kind of banging your head against the wall, it, it's, it's, it's going to, like you said, it's going to make you so much more it's going to almost remove you from the process because the process is on the gym floor. So get on the gym floor. Like that's where we need mm -hmm. to be. You know what I mean? That that's uh, we can, we can come back to the theory or we can, we can actually have more basis for understanding the theory once we have some practical application. Exactly. And then when you look at anatomy, anatomy is a great example, right? So like if, when I look at teaching anatomy, there's a time and a place for literally just origins insertion, get a, a band or a balloon and pull it to these kind of things. And you know, there's a time and a place that in some ways, but I would look at, okay, Teach them what they do on the gym floor. Teach them a base layer of anatomy. It doesn't need too much. You need to go roughly from here to here, 
what action, get on the gym floor, feel how it works. Then go more into the sort of science-based stuff. And your aim then is to make that as practical as possible. So, both, you know, as quickly as I can get away from the skeleton with a, a balloon and maybe more come right, you know, if I'm teaching a classroom full of people, okay, you know, you, you spent the first day learning about how to put a program together for your clients. You've, learned, you've gone on the gym floor, how to get the most out of these exercises, what muscles are going to be used. And then maybe in the afternoon session or the second day or second week, whatever, however your education structure runs, you then maybe have the morning going over the knowledge of it and understanding origins and assertions and why those things work the way they did. And you're now referencing that first session and go, oh, that's why that works. Okay, that makes sense. And then you go back to something a bit more practical again uh, with a little bit more knowledge. So then you could like say, I, I quite like when I'm teaching a group of guys, it's like, okay, we're going to go into a muscle. Let's say this group does pecs, this group does quads, this group does hamstrings. And I want you to go away for 50 minutes. I'm not going to get involved. I'm going to stand back and be quiet, you know, because my ego is not wrapped up in being Mr. Smart Guy. You know, it's you You will come up with origin, insertion, action, a muscle that trains length and short and a mid-range, and you will come back together in 20 minutes. And in, in, in that, you've now created something that's a little bit more play. But if you didn't do the gym floor stuff first, and if you didn't do a little bit of the knowledge first, you just mm -hmm. have people that wouldn't do anything and be lost. But the idea of going is application, knowledge, so that you can then reference the knowledge back to that application and then go back to a little bit more detailed application again. So now you're reinforcing things. You know, and then, you know, tell them to go and play around on machines and find some of the challenge length of range. Think outside the box. Don't necessarily have, doesn't have to be dumbbell flies, cable flies, push-ups. It could be, you know, whatever your imagination makes it then. Yeah, you're literally meeting them, meeting the, edu the, the the students at their level rather than kind of bringing them in and being like, oh, this is how I learn or this is how I want to teach you. It's like, where, well, what got them in the room in the first place? Because they want to have bigger biceps. So go and train their biceps. Go and get them to feel this stuff and then talk to them about it. And kind of we can actually meet on some common ground that they need to be on. But for, for me to sit on my high horse and try and bring you to, to where I where I know ultimately you need to do it's not the way because no, no one, no one come into that room to sit down and have a lecture about everything else. But they did come into the room to about learn about training, and this is something that Nick Daniel used to do really well with his uh, with his UP camps when he was teaching that. Was that you'd go in straight away, you'd meet everybody, say hello, all of a sudden, bang, you're on the floor. You're doing breathing drills, you walk, you warm yourself up, and we're going to go into our first neurological session of the day. We're going to do some heavy ass back squats. Okay, cool. Let's get straight into it. And then afterwards, when you're a bit smashed, but like you're trying to stay awake and you're trying to knock back some coffee, it's okay. Let's talk about what we just did. Let, let's kind of let's, we'll go through the process. I mean, now, now we can break it down. And everyone's like, oh shit, this is amazing. And then before you know it, we're, we're back into a session again. And we're back into another session. And we're, then we're going to talk about it again. And it was so much, um, it, it, it's, it's forced upon you, but in a way that you, it's so palatable that you just take it in. And if you think, if you think as well, like you, you know, if you look at the best clients that you've ever had in terms of clients, as well as as trainee, trainers you mentored, you, you know, did they, that you, you, the, the place you want to get them to, it, all the best clients end up going all in on a process. You don't question it; they just go the act, right? And eventually, what we're looking to teach somebody, whether it's somebody coming in wanting to be a better at their job and being a better personal trainer, whether it's somebody wanting to get a better physique. You eventually want to get them to a point where they're critically, you can critically think for themselves, right? That they can, they can, they can analyze things, they can run with things, they can solve problems. You know, you, you don't want people that are zombies and clones. You want people that can actually critically think about the task at hand. 
But to do that, often you have to break them down a little bit and take the ego out of the equation because everyone comes in with their own biases and everyone comes in with their own egos. And often our, e our ego is going to be the biggest thing that prevents us from learning anything. And a lot of times it's, it's taking away what you, what you think you know and learning about something. And to do that, you need to strip somebody back and you need to just give them a system work and say, just, just do. Just go all in. Just act. And it's all about action. And then yeah. we layer on the why. Now you understand the process that the person that is educating you is, is wanting you to do. You understand that truly. Now you know the knowledge of why that works. And now we can bring in your experience and your confirmation bias and your ego and put this together to critically think. And in, in both ways, you might find that that mentee now has an amalgamation of what they've learned from you and other people, but now becomes their system. It's not, they have a million programs, they have no idea what to do, where do I start, and they sit on the hand. Yeah. yeah man. So what do you reckon is the, yeah, what do you reckon is that like a minimum amount of knowledge that is required to make sure the application is on point? And then because the application is essentially the playground, when you've got that playground going on, um, like you're saying, it's firing up the brain so that you can actually learn something um, and you're, you're wanting to think critically. So you're going to ask questions because you've gone gone into the playground and had a, had a play with this stuff and then come back and then learn the knowledge. There's always like, there's always like a minimum amount that you need to go into that playground with. What do you, what do you reckon that is? Oh, that, 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 that's a hard question because I think, I think when it comes to minimum amount of knowledge, it depends who I'm teaching. Um, right. I think I have, a, have a bunch of personal trainers. I was, I was doing my own standalone seminar, which is just, you know, just me, um, a brand new trainers. I mean, like you expect most people to have some level of training experience as they're coming in wanting to be better trainers. So we're talking about trainers. In, in, even if it's clients, you know, the idea of breaking them down and breaking the ego away is you don't really need that much of a minimum knowledge barrier to kind of get started. If anything, sometimes it's better when you don't because there, there isn't as much confirmation bias people are more willing to get stuck in. Um, as long as they're in a position where they want to learn, they want to go all in and they want to go away and take what they've learned and try and work it out themselves. And that just comes down to the mentality of the individual. Um, mm. You know, it, it, I think the idea of the educators have to be able to have the knowledge of their experience to know what is the most important things they need to, to do and learn first. Now, if we're looking at a training seminar, you maybe focus more on machines, but you can make people externally stable, teach them about a counterforce, teach them how, you know, what muscle they need to engage, teach them actually how to perform the movement, whether it's touch cues, internal cues, external cues, whatever it is, so you can start to feel what's going on and then understand what we're trying to do here. Then we can layer on knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, alternatively, then, you know, I, I think that's the minimum effective knowledge to actually come into a seminar. Now, when it comes to minimum effective, if you were looking at minimum effective knowledge to be competent in this industry, mm. That's why I have almost a different level of opinion. But I, I've, I, mm. I, um, I, I think I'm relatively good at taking complex, and Umar can say if I am or not, but complex topics and make them relatively simple. Um, but I still get the occasional thing of like, don't overcomplicate it, don't make it too deep, you know? And I'm like, I don't speak it too deep. I speak at the, the relevant layer of knowledge that you should need to be good at your craft. Yeah. So. I don't think necessarily you have to have a minimum level of knowledge to come in and learn to be a personal trainer. But if you're mm. trying to spend, you know, if you've got clients spending 80, 90, 100, 110 quid an hour to train with you, 
putting their health in your hands when they potentially have injuries, if you know nothing about anatomy, if you, if you cannot tell me how fat gets from the cells to out the cell, and don't just tell me calorie deficit, um, then I worry. You know, you wouldn't have that in any other field. You wouldn't go to a hairdresser who can't hold a pair of scissors. You wouldn't go to have a chef who can't work an oven. Yet in the fitness industry, when you have a stick, no barrier to entry, six weeks courses, and unlimited retakes until you get it right, we have people that are, and this is why a lot of the personal training industry gets such a bad rap, is because we have people that are, you know, people are investing lots of money in their health and their safety, and the person has no idea other than what their, their favorite fitness model does on Instagram, hmm. which is, 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 exactly. is awful. And what, I, what I'm essentially you know, wanting to do is just get people who really want to learn. And I, I'm, never, I'm not necessarily going to be the guy that's going to be out there competing with John Shadow and chiropractors and osteos, things like this. That's not my, my place in the industry. My place in the industry is getting trainers that are about six months to a year in the industry that want to separate themselves from the crowd and want to be better than the bad reputation. And I want to get them to a point where they have a, such a clarity and confidence of the way they work and have a, you know, a base layer of effectiveness where they can train the clients effectively, safely to get results, where then they can go, well, maybe I'll try this TS level one because that may help me. And now I've got a little bit of knowledge where Jordan's not going to start speaking. It's going to go over his head. Go and do muscle nerve program design course. Go and do RTS. Go and join UP. You know, it's, it, it, it's getting that level of knowledge where you know you're you are sufficient your job to know a base layer of education that then you can deep dive into learning about yourself, which I, I know from I'm sure you guys can vouch. The most exciting thing about going to seminars half the time is 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 not saying that any of the education I've had is bad. It's meeting people like like how I met Umar and you know I've met tons of people from these courses. You tend to see the same people on these courses time and time again. And it's always, it's always the same people. It's those people who want to bet themselves in the industry. So the more time you can spend, and the more people we can get at that level, the better the industry is for everybody. Mm. I'll definitely say like that. You asked the question, G, about baseline level of knowledge, but I'd say it's, it's what Simon just said there, which is people that want to better themselves. It's like you don't need to know anything mm. almost. Sometimes like mm. I remember how, how bad I was before I started UP. Like, there was there was no understanding because I didn't really I didn't really stick with things long enough to actually understand them properly. But then uh, TJ said this thing the other day. He was talking about how like you're almost forgotten how to learn because sometimes the process of actually learning isn't something that you you're you're too familiar yeah. with. But then exactly. the the process the the want to be better, the want to affect people, the want to have somebody's life in your hands and leave them positively affected by having spent time with you. That's the prerequisite, in my opinion. Like. Do you really need to know this? Yes. Okay. Well, you'll be in the room and you'll be you'll be paying attention. And when it's time to take notes, you'll take notes. And when it's time to shut up and just listen, you'll do that mm. too. You know I mean, uh, that, that's 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 the only thing, in my opinion. Like knowledge-wise, for sure, pick up an anatomy book and, and know what a skeleton looks like and know what people can come can walk in with. But past that, I really just think it's a case of just just give a shit, give a shit about about wanting to be better, and you will be. Mm. Yeah, it was more like I think I think yeah. it's the balance. Sorry, I'm interrupt. I think I think it's I think it's more of that balance. Like it, you know, like there's no benefit to knowledge to want to learn more. It's just taking away your ego and wanting to be better, but always understanding there is a responsibility to your clients, um, and that they're, they're, the actual base there of knowledge is astronomically high. I think a personal mm -hmm. trainer is one of the hardest jobs in the world. You know, and I, I'm not doing anything. At, 
physios or anything else or any other conversation, but it, it, you have to be this amazing jack of all trades to be a personal trainer. You have to know a decent amount of anatomy to take knowledge that, you know, someone who has niggles, injuries, and movement restrictions and get them to train in a way it's not only going to be safe um, and effective, but also get the desired outcome from that training session. You need to understand someone's psychology to work around their, their hang-ups with, you know, with, with food and to get them to follow a plan and to get them to be patient, uh, which is, is the mm. difficult thing. You know, you've got, you've got to know enough about biochemistry and nutrition to understand what you're doing and what you're giving to somebody when you're pushing them too hard. Then you've got to have experience of actually getting people in shape to actually do this again. And I think, like, personal training is an amazingly hard job because it's, you know, you might not have to go as deep into anatomy as a chiro and osteophysio is. You may not have to go as much into uh, biochemistry as an endocrinologist. You may not, not have to go as much into psychology as a therapist. But you've got to know a fairly decent amount about all of these things. Mm-hmm. To, to not only give a, give a better service to your clients, but also to know when to refer out and to be able to understand mm-hmm. the information that's given back to you. When I got sent people to physios and endocrinologists when I first started, I used to get information back and I was too egotistical and proud and of an imposter to go, oh, I don't know what that means. And, you know, and like, so uh, uh, the, the two things I have that I, that I need to learn from there is one, I need to get better at my craft so I understand when a physio gives me exercises, I know what he's doing and why he's doing it. So I can then reinforce that with a client. And let's face it, probably won't do it as much on their own as you tell them to, um, you know, and also I, I, I also need to be able to devoid my ego from the, the equation where I can happily tell both people who are up the chain and down the chain that I don't know. I think if there's one thing trainers can should be more happy to say is that I don't know something. A lot though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And like, because you're in that, so you're in the part of the business, part of the industry where you're educating people. What's I'm quite curious to know your thoughts on this as well, because uh, the ability to learn, right, and how to learn well. So I feel like. Uh, we've we've had this discussion on previous podcasts, me and Umar have about, uh, you know, how school in many ways just doesn't set you up very well because it's like, you know, you're learning a bunch of things which you're supposed to be able to regurgitate. But one thing I don't think I really learned how to do was learn. I didn't learn how to learn. So I'm like, uh, so I'm on a quest to like, you know, figure that out all over again is like just how to do this, how to approach something in a way where I'm going to get the result that I need from it or the outcome that I want from it, which is... Uh, something that is productive as well and uh, something that sticks what um do you have any thoughts around that kind of thing on you know what is the best way to learn how uh, how to learn i mean i think i think it's something i'm learning as as well right is is, is learning how to learn better i agree with you i you know i was Mm. pretty certain that i was i was dyslexic never officially told i was but i used to get b's and d's back to front all the time i used to get numbers Mm. one way around i you know I still, I still read. I still struggle with reading. I read very, very, very slow. Um, so, like, and my punctuation is awful. If, if everyone's ever read an email that I've sent, they've probably hated it, right? But um, so, I think, I think we, we, we're not taught well in, in education. Mm-hmm. I think partly for things we spoke about before, it, it's learning how to regurgitate information with no practical mm-hmm. application. We're not yeah. taught subjects we need to learn. I wish I was taught finance because I've been horrendous at it through my twenties. But we're not taught finance. We're not really taught business. We're we're not taught how to critically think. We're just taught information. Um, hmm. But I mean, but I, I, how much of that is the education system, and how much of that is the teacher you get in front of you? 
some people get really mm. lucky with amazing teachers and, and my, mm. my my partner's a teacher and you know and obviously i'm obviously a little bit biased but i think she is one of the best teachers i've ever seen in my whole entire life because she generally cares so much about a job and she has this knack to connect with children and mm. I, I i reckon like if i was a kid and had her I may have applied myself more and learned more. So I, I don't know whether how much of that is the education system's wrong or just some people just get lucky and have teachers that, that resonate with them better than, than you do, I don't know. But mm. um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to learn, you know, how to learn. I think one thing that I've learned more as I've got older, especially as I've got busier, this may be different for the school system, but I, is, is knowing your strengths and playing to your strengths and not, not sort of like, not doing your weaknesses but like mm. because there's certain weaknesses you need to get better at and the you know there's part of your job you just don't like or not good at and you need to suck up and get on with but the more you can sort of systemize your weaknesses so there's mm. not as big a part of your day so you can spend more time on your strength that's how you truly know I, i've you know maybe i will i don't know but i'm very unlikely to be the person writing an amazon best-selling book mm. i'm rubbish at punctuation i don't i struggle to read myself I'm not suited to it, but you know, fingers crossed, maybe I'll get myself on a TED talk one day because I'm relatively good at public speaking. I'm quite a good people person. So I rather than trying to learn everything, could I go down and be really good at this one avenue? And like, it's the whole thing of like, if you, if you, you know, uh, if you teach a fish, if you, you know, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree analogy, right? it, it, so mm. I, as I get older, I think it's more accentuating your strength. And then finally, about yeah. educating when you're a kid mm. or yeah. an adult, you know, like, you know, why some people resonate with other mentors better than others. Yeah. Mm. yeah. What you said, what you said there at the end, there definitely hits with me, but with sometimes you look at the potentially like, I don't, I don't want to say bad teachers because I think, I think teachers defo try, but sometimes they're, they aren't in the right place to teach because of their own lives and because of the people and because of the way they've, they've come into the room, but they're almost setting the stage for us now to be like, oh, we've had a deficit of knowledge then, so how do we go about learning now? You know what I mean? So without those, without those less than optimal educators, we probably wouldn't be sat here right now. You know what I mean? We'd be sat, we'd be sat in some, <laughs> some other, other walk of life. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a cool way of, of, uh, of definitely breaking it down slightly. But I, and, go on, sorry, go on. And so as I'm looking back on what we were saying earlier on about learning to apply things first and getting you interested in the topic so you want to apply something because essentially most of the learning is done outside of the classroom it's, it's, it's making you excited enough to go and put the work in behind the scenes it's not just mm -hmm. the hour you spend learning about it now when we talk about application first and then layer on knowledge this is where this comes in and i look at back at the education i have now i you know do i, do I mention names um i won't mention the bad teacher mm -hmm. you know i don't want i don't want to get someone in trouble but like, fuck you, Mrs. Eye, Smith. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, um, okay. So, okay. Um, let's, let's just call him Mr. Lacan. We can change one letter in that. We'll find out the right one. Right? <laughs> so, so anyone who went to Almsdale High School uh, and the rest of can crack the code of Mr. Lacan, um, <laughs> hated, hated, hated those scientists. Hated them with a wow. passion. He, 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 was, he was stern. He, he, most of the time he just told off it was either, either the color kid, the kid with learning disabilities, and then it was probably me because I was the one misbehaving. Um, but I was always third, even if I was the one misbehaving in the first place. This is the kind of mentality. There was a lesson once where he goes, 
we were talking about electrical currents and circuits, right, in physics. And he was like, today we're going to learn about um, ACDC, but not the band for all you uh, young hipsters out there. That's him trying to be funny. This is in the, like, early 2000s. Most kids, other than me, who, uh, you know, has the music tastes from the 60s, didn't even know who ACDC yeah. was, right? Yeah. So this is the kind of guy we're talking about. On the flip side of that, we had Mr. Wilkinson, and that is his real name because he was a phenomenal teacher. Whereas you knew it was a good, maybe I shouldn't say this because I have what I'm about to say, if he's still teaching. But you knew it was good, a good lesson where you'd see him newspaper up the fire extinguisher, right? <laughs> because you knew you were going to do some interesting shit, like, um, like blow things up and make sparks fly. But I'll tell you what, I got interested in biochemistry because of hmm. like matching the human body to these weird sort of experiments that you did. And that made me want to learn more about what I did. Getting lectured in the front with very outdated jokes from a guy without his real teeth didn't make me want to learn, right? And, you know, and there's a reason why in Mr. Wilson classes, people stayed and were really, really riveted, even on the last day of term before summer. There's also a reason why in this other science teacher's class, there was, when there was a window open, by the end of the lesson, half the kids had jumped out the window and ran away for the lesson. <laughs> that generally happens. <laughs> so it, it, it comes up. Good teachers make education. Amazing. Bad teachers ruin it. Mm. Yeah, fully, man. That's legit. They actually make you want to stay in the room rather than just yeah. jump out the window. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Too right. Exactly. Too right. Where, where are you at now, Si? In terms of just pivoting, but stay on the education uh, side of things. In regards to your own education, where do you want to take it, and uh, what are you excited to learn over the next kind of couple of years? My my mm. education in terms of me personally. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I've I've just finished uh, Muscle Nerds Program Design course with with Luke Lehman team, uh, which was really good. And I tell you what, the, the best thing about that course is it really taught me to think critically about my own system how i work and that's now developed a lot of things that i'm talking to you guys about my way i think my education and things like this you know um it's all come from some of the stuff that i've learned there and they, they teach you it's great you don't you know one of those courses where you don't realize how valuable it is until you finish it <laughs> like like i, I remember Einstein. finishing the yeah i remember the finishing the program design course i'm like it feels like there's something missing here it feels like they teach you all the framework to make a great program but they don't teach you how to make a great program. I'm sitting there going, I was like, going, well, I'm missing something. I was like, is it the in-person part, which I couldn't go to because of um, travel restrictions right now. But in hindsight, and it probably is, they probably put it all together when I get onto the in-person part of this course. But in hindsight, mm -hmm. that was the best thing ever because I then had to go and fill in the blanks that were left blank in my mind. And then mm -hmm. I've always had them to answer questions when I struggle. And their, their, their forums now are fantastic. People are really, of all walks of life are great. A lot of people that are on the PS level one forum are on this forum. It's the same crowd, right? Yeah. And, you know, so there was this question, it's allowed me to sort of fill in our blanks and start and then piece together what I have. So I'm at the moment in time finishing this course. I'm now going through a period of application. Um, so it's more in system making. So I'm, I've been using this time during the gym lockdown to write tons of programs. Um, something that I've, and me and Umar have gotten a few calls and hopefully a few more calls soon to sort of plan some of these ideas out as well. But it, 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 it's piecing together what I've learned from different sources and putting them on paper. So it, it's pulling back, maybe saving a little bit of money, which I'd be very happy about, to 
sort of like putting together what I practice, start to apply more, create systems to make me more efficient the way I work, um, and to really like apply what I work. Because I also feel that, you know, in interesting topic as well, I think people say that um, they don't like systems and templates when it comes to programming because they think templates mean it's not a personal service. Now, I, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that the more I learn because I think that if, 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 you, if I have to make a, for every single set, rep, exercise, angle, tempo from scratch with every single program and I have 24 hours to have a turnaround with your program, I'm going to do a, not my best work because the amount of thought that goes into my programming, like, you know, if I have time, is astronomical. It's positions, what range of motion they have, what the active range, what's the passive range, where's the stability, you know, what's the training age history, what's the stress level, what's the information, what tempos do I need, where are they weak, where are they strong? All these things and more come into a program. Now, if I'm trying to do that right from scratch, a blank piece of paper with every one, I don't have the time to do that. Whereas if I can spend time creating, you know, tons of templates with all my knowledge I can spend hours putting together this almost perfect program and then I can adjust it for the individual. One, it means the client gets a much, much more comprehensive program based on my experience and my education. But it also means that now my program to writing doesn't spend, take as long. So now I can spend time where it really matters and that's speaking to you and actually having an emotional, personal connection with you about how to do this program. Because I can write the best program in the world and if you don't do it, and there's no compliance to it, it's useless. So if, if I can co combine the two by taking the time to make a phenomenal program that I just adjust for your, if you can't do a military press because you, your T-spine sucks, I have an 80 degree dumbbell. It's now a personalized program to your range of motion, but it's now geared to a very, very specific outcome. And I can spend time then teaching you it. Same thing with nutrition. If, if most people say, oh, what's the perfect macro split for this, 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 and this, make a meal plan, make it, gear it to, as you said, a continuum, gear it to where you feel that person is in terms of their lifespan of training, get that plan out to them, and then you can spend more time teaching them to meal prep, teaching them the habits that need to be put into place, teaching them how to overcome decision fatigue, teach them how to overcome the all or nothing mentality. These things will make and break a result far more than consume. 30 grams of protein post-workout via a shape form with 30 grams of brand chicken dextrin. Oh, it's, it's majoring in the minor. So I'm now taking what I've learned. I'm now trying to put piece together in things in my head so I can actually apply it so that when I go into a next course, I'm not still trying to unravel. So it'll probably be the reason why I didn't jump on PS number one this intake. I might do the next one or the one after that because then I'll be in a better place to learn something new. That mm. I'm consolidating. Let's just say that. Yeah. Solid answer, nice. man. Solid answer. Yeah, that's amazing. That's actually, yeah, I like what you're saying there as well, because that's even helpful for me as well, like just coming up with uh, the templates and plugging in the individual and for this as well. In that, in that sense, it's like uh, uh, if somebody's got, like, say, a lower limb injury and another person's got an upper limb injury, or you're, you're templating for somebody. Okay, here's a lower limb injury. I've got a template for that. Here's an upper limb injury. I've got a template for that. Here's somebody who's got a back injury. I've got a template for that, for example, so that you can make sure that, you know, there's no actual load for someone like that at the beginning, but there is further down the program when they've progressed. Is that kind of essentially one of the things you're yeah. talking about there? Yeah, essentially. So when it comes to, you know, like, and, and this can come with anything, right? How many people ask you mm. questions? How many clients have bad sleep? How many clients have issues with hunger? Yeah. You could write a quick response every time it takes you forever, or you want one really good answer 
where you can do videos, you can do whatever it wants to make it a really phenomenal answer and have it ready to go mm. when anyone has that issue. So they get a much higher quality of response from you in much less time. Yeah. So they have a quick turnaround of advice. Um, and then like I say, when it comes to programming, it's that similar thing. So I mentioned earlier on, I, I essentially now have what's called the reset, rebuild, replenish. So, so my reset phase is, is almost my take on what muscle nerves were called lease mode. Right? Um, so it, it's, I, and I have goals I want to achieve with a client. So the aim of a reset phase is to get somebody in a healthy place to take on more, new, more nutrition. Right? So I want to get someone blood pressure lower, resting heart rate down. I don't really measure HRV, but if that case, I want a better HRV. So I don't know enough about HRV. But, you know, if you do, you can optimize that, right? So to do that, you're getting someone a good aerobic base. Okay, I can put all my effort into having a good template to get someone a good aerobic base. That could be part of that program. With the weight training, most people are going to come in, very little skill, very, 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 very unstable in most cases. Um, we're going to be limited in terms of like range of motion or strength at the extremities. So a lot of my is going to be a linear periodization, starting quite high repetition ranges, again, practicing a lot of the main lift. Often that starts off with things that are much more stable, machine work, split squat, things like this. And then things that put them in positions that help later down the line, like an incline bicep curl to take rather than not only train your biceps through the length and range, which is great, but also put you into a little of shoulder extension, which is going to have carryover later down the line of being able to get under a bar with a squat or be able to control the bottom of a bench press or whatever else. So I'm, I'm, I'm over that. My graduation marks for that is being in a position where I feel that you can hold tension in the muscle quite effectively. You can train with the re prerequisite intensity without losing stability. You know, like the big rock stability, that's sort of my main thing. So the linear periodization from high reps down to relatively low reps over the course of whatever that, that period is. Nutrition-wise, if someone's a beginner, you're probably starting relatively low carb, take away common inflammatories, you know, get them in a position where they're, you know, they reduce inflammation, they can utilize food better, insulin sensitivity improves, we take away stuff that's causing their digestion to be all over the place, and we just give them structure. You know, also, that's probably going to be a fairly big deficit from the off, um, which is not a bad thing because a big deficit from the off, again, helps with reducing inflammation quickly, but also means they can probably drop a fair bit of weight in the first two to three weeks, which helps the client's buy-in. Then we start to find where maintenance is. We start to build food up over that process as they get more in tune with the gym. And then when you're looking at then what habits do they need to have? And that's where you can start planning templates. So, okay, in that time, I want to get looking at all those things I want to achieve with training and nutrition. What's the lifestyle skills that someone needs to have? Can I prepare resources for key things in their lifestyle? You know, it, you know, as I mentioned before, overcoming the all or nothing mentality. Uh, it could be, um, you know, you find that people's motivation will start to drop off around four to six weeks. You know, people get less precise. And everyone, I've done it. I've done it when I've done mini diets and I start dipping in a blue cheese dip and I don't stop losing weight. But after six weeks, I'm now heat that blue cheese dip. So can you, can you prepare for that and have, have a little reminder of being more accurate with tracking and why that's more important? Could you start planning these things? Good sleep environment, good digestive health, don't eat when you're stressed, chew your food, all these things, right, that we give, tell to our clients. Can we prepare great resources? And then when I go into the rebuild phase, because they have that base now, now I can get more specific with their programming. So maybe now we're like, say, I, I, if someone wants to get, you know, if you're looking at you know, hypertrophy as the goal, rebuild bigger, look at improving volume over a, a five-week period, 
now looking at focusing on the big strength leaks that we see. As you mentioned earlier, you put a load on the bar. Most they're, they're stable in most of the common things now. Where what goes wrong when when we get heavy? Now can we gear the programs to work around that to build up that main their whatever their squat variant is or whatever their press variant is? And then then not only does that help gear um, the templates I build and allow me to apply something specific to my to the goal that client has at that phase, but it also helps gear my education. Because if I'm making, if I'm starting to write templates for rebuild stronger, but who who could I pay for a consult with? Who is an expert at getting someone stronger? Okay, maybe this is when I jump on a call with Jordan Shallow. You know, or if I'm trying to do more, uh, if I'm trying to do a rebuild fitter sort of program here, could I get on a call with Ross Edgley? If that's even possible, and talk about some of the fact that he has to like get people much fitter. You know, you know, so like it gears my education, but it also gears how I build resources for clients. Um, mm. Is that I went on a big tangent there? I think that answered your question. That's quality, but that's quality. I like what you, I like how you think about this kind of stuff. Is um, definitely resonate with that because um, I'm locked down, triggered it. Uh, it was something I was in the back of my mind for a while, but I've built out a uh, online program, and yeah, just doing the same sort of thing. Right? It's like uh, like a, a pre pre air. I was just saying to you how I'm good at helping people with foundations. You know, getting you really really strong foundations, and then. Um, so part of being on pre-script level one for me with shallows is uh, to build up that next level, which is how do I program somebody for the next level of their goals? Is like you've got that fundamental level, you're happy, you've achieved that first goal that you wanted. How do I get you to the next level? So part of that programming has been dealing with all those foundations, like moving better, so the correct exercise programming, so you understand how to move properly, um, nutrition management, so that you're making good decisions. You're basically building the ability to make good decisions around nutrition rather than just thinking, I need to, this food is good and this food is bad. Like that's the awful mentality to have bring into it is like no you need to learn how to make good choices around your food and then stress management and uh, stress resilience and buoyancy is what i call it as well so you're building resilience to stress by putting yourself under stress but then you also got techniques where you um are building that buoyancy which is you know helping you calm down helping you relax a little bit and then um so stress sleep nutrition and movement basically is what you're covering and understanding how to do that over a 12-week period and it's tailored for the individual as well because, you know, based on, like like I mentioned, you know, if you've got shoulder injury, if you've got back injury, if you've got knee injury, or if you're a complete beginner, or if you're somebody who's been training for a couple of years. So that's where it is. So I'm building out those resources as well. So the kind of stuff that you were just mentioning there was like, um, yeah, cool. Like, it's, it's good to, in a way, like, you hear it from somebody else who's, like, educating other trainers and has been in the industry long enough as well and getting sick results with people. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's good to hear that. It's good to hear that we're on that same wavelength with it. And it makes your job easier later down mm. the line because if, it, if yeah. you can take away those, if you can sort of get those, 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 those big rocks sort of like sorted. You're thinking if you can get mm. someone stable in phase one, when you move them into a squat, you're not having to look at all the stuff that tends to go wrong. You've, you've sorted exactly. a lot of issues before they become issues. And going back full circle to the path of education, of application first, you know, and then mm. rebuilding knowledge, you can get people to ground like the most important things in their life that now in good habits. So you're not having to babysit them anymore. You know, you're you're mm. you're there. They know how to train, so they go on holiday. They can still train hard if they want to train, but they don't necessarily need yeah. to because they've got a good habits to come back to. It's not an all or yeah. nothing mentality. So then, in the same way you would with a trainer education, you turn the application, you've got that foundation, then you layer on stuff. 
same thing now. Mm. So now if you look at the client journey, you can start looking at building resources for specific phases. So if you look yeah. at someone like, like hypertrophy goal, moving from a physique mindset to a performance mindset is a phenomenal stepping stone, a milestone for that person. Mm. How many people do you see finish the result and then they're, they're still fixated on the scale, still fixated on their abs. Now you've got to let go of your abs to build some muscle, otherwise you ain't going to build too much. So it, mm. it's learning then to kind of, okay, now how do we set goals? How do we think about focusing your attention now on a performance mindset when the last 15, 20 weeks have you been focused on you know, a little bit of scale weight, how you look in, in, you know, in, in a goal that week on week you're seeing progress. Now you're looking at things that are going to be months on months or even eventually quarter on quarter in terms of real mm. progress. How can we switch that mindset for long-term success? And now you can yeah. start planning and doing real research on how to help your clients with those kind of things as well, right? And like, this mm. is where, one of the things I always got go on going back to the start of this, the whole what resonated with me with watching Umar coach on the gym floor is like, Umar quite similar to me. I think a lot of people say, we're not the best admin people in the world, right? We used to get criticized this a lot, right? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, and, and, and no a lot, comment. A lot of, yeah, a lot of learning systems. But that's not a bad thing because like a lot of people yeah. are, are like are, aren't good in the admin thing. It's because they're creative. They're more in, they're more mm. visual people. They're more spokespeople. Things like this, right? So a lot of the systems I create allows me to go fully in on the creative freedom in terms of my programming, my advice that I give to people, and then take away a little bit of the need for the admin side of things, the more and more I get, uh, I, more things I provide because it becomes easier to do that part of my job. As I said earlier about focusing on your strengths and sort of controlling your weaknesses. And one of the things I found about Umar is that, like you see, you tend to find a lot of trainers get great results because they they hammer their clients, they're always on the case, they mesh them every day, they're really on top of things, they're, their admin's great, they're doing phenomenal check-ins. And then you had like Umar at UP was getting as good results with probably more people and certainly putting tissue on people better than most people have ever seen. And he certainly wasn't the guy who was giving up his Sunday, sending 400 emails out. Why, why did it, why was Umar, and, and I, I'd, I'd like to think I'm in the same boat here, why is it that he could get great results without having to be so on top of everybody all the time? It's because he teaches people to fall in love with training. Hmm. And because he teaches people to fall in love, because he's so on top of the gym floor. And this is why I think... Um, we can get this in another tangent and we can go on to in a second if you're wanting to be an online trainer without a year on the at least a year on the gym floor you're going to be a rubbish online trainer right <laughs> because like because like it's that ability to be phenomenally present in every rep of every set with a client that gets buy-in that makes them bought into the process and eventually makes them love training so they're asking you questions about they want to be better at it and I, I knew I had um, a client of mine, uh, a New Zealand girl, who used to deadlift 147 kilos off the floor. You know, you know her, Umar, right? Yeah, yeah, Absolutely yeah. strong as anything, right? Really, really strong girl. Now, her programming on paper wasn't optimal for her goal, right? Because it wasn't high rep stuff. You know, she, you know it's like she, she wants to build some muscle. She wants to drop a little bit of body fat. Like strength training isn't going to be the most ideal way of doing it. But for her, if, if she hit a PB deadlift, she would go and eat better because mm. she left the gym feeling stimulated. She felt like it was something that she enjoyed. She was so bought into training and loved training that 
even now that I'm in a different country, she doesn't train them anymore, she still trains, right? And it's and it, it, it's that, that, you know, you don't necessarily need to babysit people anymore because you get them so excited about the process that they're coming to you. They want to be better. They're asking you questions. And that's what Umar did very well. And I think I think it's something that's often lost um, in terms of, like, trainers. If it, not been in the craft, getting quite comfortable where they're at. So they don't have the able to talk as such authority. I don't know if that's the right word, but certainly to the point where, you know, like, they get the clients really excited about the gym and that makes your life easier as a coach and it makes their life much more enjoyable as a client um mm. yeah. yeah man yeah just, thanks thanks for that so I, I, I think sometimes with the with the online training space it's a funny one because i i feel like it's it's plug and play with exercises and and that sometimes is looking at an exercise in one dimension when this exercise has to fit this human in their life it's like how does a deadlift serve uh, was it was rebecca her name right yeah yeah, yeah i remember yeah, yeah rebecca it's like how does that deadlift as a tool serve this person and obviously that's you've got to be autonomous and you've got to be free thinking and and, and uh critical thinking with your knowledge to look at okay it's a, it's a hip extension movement cool but what does it do for this person how does it empower somebody to move in that way and pick put on three plates aside on, on a deadlift and rip it off the floor it's like what does it do for them in in the uh encompassing everything they have to deal with in their life right it's like kind of are, are you are we now focusing on just a hip extension as oh i've ticked that box in my program so now i can move on to knee flexion i've moved on to move on to um to, 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 to shoulder extension no it's like what does that actually serve this person for in their life can we can we start programming that way a little bit as well because that's we're dealing with human beings we're not dealing with with on paper. I've checked all the books. I've checked all the boxes, and every week my volume went up. And but really, I've got a miserable human being who who just shows up and drags their heels around the gym floor. Mm -hmm. So no, let, let's let's love this shit. In a, in a way, Absolutely. it's got to start there, though. It's in a way, it's got to start there because I think people again going back to laying on application first, more than adding layer of knowledge, is understand that most people are are lost with the programming and they don't know where to start. So like, if you can get someone to start right, okay, you've got a program, you can get some form of vertical push and pull based on their overhead range of motion, right? Whether you lean back or have an incline on a bench, some form of horizontal push and pull, you know, some form of hip extension, some form of knee flexion, because most people don't, oh, you know, don't think about hamstrings enough when it comes to stabilizing the knee, you know, and then you're looking at some, you know, some form of bilateral squat pattern, some form of unilateral squat pattern, and I think it's got to start there so people understand the big rocks they're programming. And then the target areas then can be based around what they want in their physique, what's going to help them down the line. But going on to what you were saying there, I think once you sort of you understand the basics of how to put a program together and understand that, laying on a little bit of knowledge and then getting to know the individual becomes massively important. I got asked a question on Instagram that I did an IGTV with a little while ago is, what, can you tell me the difference between programming for strength and programming for body composition? Um, and where gen pop fits within that. And I think, you know, with, when, when, you, when you're looking at training the general population, I don't think it's either. Because I think training like a bodybuilder, <laughs> a bodybuilder, bodybuilder won't mind getting temporarily weaker as long as they look better in 12 weeks. A strength athlete, yes, they might have to get a little bit bigger to be stronger, but as long as more weight goes on the bar, they don't really care. The, the, the gen pop, if you want to call it, client, the, the average person wanting to, to improve the way they look naked, not because they want to step on stage and look 
thick skin lean, but because they want to feel more confident in the clothes, they want to be able to wear a bikini or go shirtless on the beach. They want to be able to be more confident talking to members of the opposite sex, be more authority in their jobs. Um, we'll let Umar die, and then he can come back. Please. <laughs> Just don't give me coronavirus to the screen, man. <laughs> yeah. so, That's another transmission. Yeah, so like, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like, where, where, where was it at for uh, Umar got coronavirus? Um, yeah, where, no, where, where, where was it? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, so like, training yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but the, then you've got to look at sort of like where, you know, the, the show on the time, you've got to understand they've got, they've got emotions in this. And then you've got to look at, like, hey, what's on, what's on paper isn't necessarily optimal for them. Because, okay, yeah, if I go mad down more towards the bodybuilding route, it might be on paper the most efficient way to get them to the goal in the quickest way possible. But understand that this client, if they don't hit a PB one week, that might be the thing that spirals them out mentally, thinking the process isn't working, and then they fall into a cheesecake. <laughs> and I don't want to make it sound that people are weak-willed, but, but people, people have emotional connection to food. This is not me judging at all, because yeah. I've had emotional connection to food. Yeah. I sometimes get stressed when I eat, right? That, like, we all battle those at times of our lives. So understanding that, you know, like, the, the, the why may not be as strict and as strong as somebody about got 20 of these out from a stage show or powerlifting me, and understanding that then you've got to be a little bit more fluid in your approach to keep them engaged whether that's changing the program a little bit more regularly to keep them mentally stimulated whether it's finding exercises that they enjoy but it's having a little bit of the emotional connection with them but having the prerequisite knowledge to not hurt them for the sake of it if the client mm-hmm. says oh, well, i really want a deadlift and they when they after they move back in hip you know into any hip flexion more than half an inch they just round and just look like a like, like a camel okay we're not going to deadlift with you but what we can do is we can regress that exercise into Incline hyper, barbell hip extension, upper back work, um, dead bugs, racing work. The point with the aim in 10, 12, 20 weeks' time, we're going to get you to a position where we can find some form of deadlift that works for you. And then we're going to hammer that. And I think, you know, that, that not only means that you can, you can be fluid with the new approach, but it also means when it comes to long term client results, I, I used to, I, like, you've had one of the best retention out of people in the company at UP for, for years. And people always used to ask me, why is it that I, I was really good at retention? And I didn't even really know that I was. I just knew I had clients for years. I assumed everyone else did. I just didn't think myself was any different. And I, you know, people used to present on the ideal ways of retention. It's like, I know how many sessions are left in your package and, you know, make sure you're, you're there prepared for the renewal. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at our, our front of house manager at the time, Martha. And you'll know Martha very well. And, and I'm, I'm sitting there. Martha's looking back at me. No, she knows my retention so good. And she also knows how useless and absent I am. And we're just looking back and forth. I went, the side isn't well. And he ain't doing any of that. And yeah. would my retention be even better if I did that? Undoubtedly, yes. And my admin is considerably better now because I value the importance of it. So thank you, Martha. The Polish wisdom has taught me lots. But like, it, but understand that wasn't, I wasn't the reason why I managed. I got, I got retention in spite of that. And for me, I think it was one getting people really engaged in training. And I always spoke in, this is why I want you to be in six months, 10 months, a year, two years. It's not just 12 weeks out the door. It's like I used to block plan phase for again, going back to Rebecca and her deadlift. There was a period of time where she got freaked out at the 120. So she was freaked out by she wouldn't pick it up. And her mental state was affecting her picking it up. She was getting too scared. So then we went into, 
um, you can call it an accumulation phase if you like. We went into an escalating density training. So if you don't know EDT, EDT is where you'll go a bit submax low, but let's start at 20 minutes from the clock, and I'll do six deadlifts, six inclined dumbbell press, back forth, back forth, back forth. The aim is to do as many rounds as possible in a 20-minute period. So obviously you're not going to do this with your three-rep max. This is going to be something that you, you do six reps with your 15-rep max. But the idea is you accumulate a lot of volume over the course of the hour, a lot of density. Now, this on, on, on paper, well, maybe with the amount of density, amount of reps you're doing, it was more volume, but the intensity dropped. And in, in turn, volume probably dropped over all the sessions. So if someone looked at my program on paper, we go, well, you just not volume offer. This is a bad program. I'm like, yes, it's not volume offer now. It's take half a step back. It takes five forward. Because in four or five weeks' time, when we now go back to sticking her max weight in the bar for three to four reps, she's now in this mindset, deadlift bar, walk up, pick it up. She couldn't think about it for four weeks because she was against the clock. She just walked up, picked it up, walked up, picked it up, walked up, picked it up. Now we put more weight on the bar. She just walks up, picks it up. And all of a sudden, you know, three weeks, four weeks ago, you were scared to pick it up. Now you didn't even think about it. Mm. Same thing to be applied with slow eccentric. Something that Umar knows very well. That's the thing I got from his training. I started doing my clients and myself, which made a massive difference. I remember Tom Hibbert gave Umar this like 300 second eccentric deadlift, which is like horrible. I remember yeah. that I was trying to launch a UP podcast, right? And I did an episode with Umar. And I, I go off at times again, but this is entertaining enough. And the idea was we're, we're, we're going to delve into the story of Umar being this massively overweight guy. And he used to tell me issues with sleep apnea and things like this. Oh, wow, this is a story loads of people resonate with. This guy is now about to do a photo shoot, shredded, used to be morbidly obese. And I'm there going, man, this is going to be gold, right? Now, two, two reasons why Umar made this difficult for me. One, when I was trying to edit, I, was trying, I, got, I got training footage on I was trying to edit this training footage together, right? To make this little montage of training and intro for Umar. Every eccentric was like 10 seconds long. <laughs> but I couldn't put any of the footage together. Then we get into the episode. We get into the episode. I can send you this if you want to listen to it, right? I can get it. I got into the episode. And, and then it was like, there's an audience for people that like freak shows, right? People, there are people that go to the circus to see these world's strongest men, you know, guys with a mustache, right? Umar might have been one of these guys because, like, I was like, I was expecting like this poor large, not fed up of being overweight. I was like, sleep apnea was struggling for me. I, you know, having issues. All these things you expect if you listen to a client. So, my uh, my dad was really strong. I want to be the strongest guy in the gym. So I ate ice cream until I was really fat, strong, and I loved it. And it was really good. I'm like, stop advertising a reef to Umar. Back to where I was saying before, but we're going into these, these 10 second centuries. And I had another client called May, who's another girl that could lift 140 kilos off the floor. Um, no, no problems name dropping her because she loves the publicity because she's a unit of a mental portion. Phenomenal. I, I've never been out angled by a woman so much in my whole life. Bigger arms than me, unit. But she got to the point where her biggest problem was when she was trying to pick it up, she was starting to lose her upper back. Now it's got to the point where. Uh, it was more than just the power off the floor. So we did a phase, we did a lot of upper back work, we did a lot of pause leg pressing work. But what we did in that for our A series, for our main lift, was a 10 second slow eccentric deadlift. And we were just doing like four to six reps, submax weight again. Yes, volume goes down, because weight dramatically decreased. But now she controls every inch of her deadlift. And now with our accessory work, 
plugging those strength things off the floor. Now, when she got back into adding another 10 kilos on the bar, she controlled it like it was half the weight. And we raced up the volume on the next one. So I, it's, I think understanding when it comes to programming, understanding sometimes it's okay to take half a step back to take two forwards and working with where your client's at in terms of their, their not only their physical performance, but also their headspace and psychological performance, knowing that their performance of the day is going to influence how likely they are to stick to the diet, how engaged they're going to be in your training sessions, and all and everything else. Mm. So, so with like um, gen pop people, and you know, there's a lot of them coming up with coming in with hangups to training or to like. Let's just use the most common reason people want to start training and get into the gym is because they want to lose weight, right? So, if they're trying to do that, but they've coming in with a lot of hangups with food, coming in a lot of hangups with training, they've tried several times before, haven't succeeded, so they just kind of setting themselves up for failure even this time around what kind of um uh, what kind of like ideas or tools do you use to get people to fall in love with that process you know fall in love with training so that they keep doing it without you that, that question okay. for both of you okay i think i think saying this first thing is there's um there's three things here i look at i think looking at understanding someone's real true motivation the why is huge it's a buzzword, mm -hmm. right? But precision nutrition, John Barali talks about the five whys, asking why five mm -hmm. times to delve a little bit deeper into someone's psyche yeah. and knowing why. How I look at it, I think that's only part of that puzzle. And how I look at consults, my system using for consults is I will look at a past, future, present model of understanding mm -hmm. someone's motivation. So with the past, my aim is to is finding that why. Find out why you're unhappy with your currency. What is it that you're miserable about? What is it that puts you in front of me? Why do you need my help? Because if I can truly under that, I can then understand your motivation a little bit more. I can understand what your big problems are with things. I can meet you where you're at. But also it makes you very aware of your problem. Because it will start with, I want to lose some weight. Okay, why is losing some weight important to you? Uh, well, I want to feel a bit healthier for you. Okay, and why is it that you don't feel healthy at the moment? Well, you know, I, I, I'm out of breath going down, down the stairs and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm getting a lot of digestive issues. Okay, and how does that how does that make you feel in your day to day life? How's that like? And you ask those questions. You take that answer. You delve a little bit deeper. So you get that idea of sort of where someone is, where so, why someone wants to change. And they're there. Not only are you clear on it, but they're more clear on it. And then you'll go into the future, and the future's not just picking a goal. It's, but it's not just picking a realistic goal for them. It's not just smart. It's okay, right? I want to paint the same goal picture for you. I want to get you excited from the off. Of what the end goal is. So not only do you want, how do you want to look, but how do you want to feel? What habits do you want to have? And that's a key question as well. Like a lot of people will come to, I want to be the kind of person that gets up in the morning and go for a run. I'm sure you've both heard that. I, I want to be that person that's a food prep every day. They come in with this idea of I want to do these habits, and then they don't do them. So then you can refer back to that concept. Go. Do you remember you said you want to be that person that is active and doing hikes on the weekend? You've been here for six weeks, haven't done a hike. You can't wait to be in shape to start doing those habits. Those habits will get you in shape. But you not, so not only have you got something to give them that accountability, but you now have, they not only have, their, they understand truly why they're miserable and understand that real painful but necessary part of the equation. They're now really excited about everything about that end goal. It's not just, I want to look like that person on Instagram. I want to feel this way, act this way, look this way, behave this way. And then the question, the presence, is where I, I, the questions I'll ask them is, why do you not look like that already? And it's a little bit on the nose question. Some people go, oh, what are your biggest barriers? What are your biggest hang-ups? I, I think that's, 
you're being a bit too nice in the question. You want to hit a nerve. So you've told yep. me why, where you're miserable and why you want to look that way. Why don't you look like that already? Because they're going to tell you the big things that's the problem in their life. And if you can sort them, you've probably sorted everything else out. That's the main thing. They're going to tell you their problems. So hmm. I think understanding that and getting clear on that gets them excited first. And then I think hmm. laying out expectations is big. I think people tend to lose love for training when they don't think it's working. And so if you can explain long-term where we are now, where the end goal is, explain what that process is, explain what's going to be entailed to get there from their perspective, um, and like understanding the, how quick it's going to take. Uh, let them understand that, okay, there's going to be times this gets tough. This is the rate of loss we're expecting per week. It will not happen every week. So the more you can understand when things come up, understand, they understand that motivation will drop off. If they know that early on, if they know that before motivation drops off, it's not that, oh, I've, been, I've lost motivation. Oh, I'm going to have a cheesecake. It's, okay, I, I, I knew this was coming. I'm expecting this. Here's, so here's how we get through this. So they feel that you're in, in, they're in your corner. And how I often do that in a consult is I will um, ask them what their expectations are of me, which is quite, people feel a bit cheeky asking, telling what they expect of somebody, right? So if they feel that they've done this, then they don't mind as much me then coming in afterwards and telling what my exactly. expectations are. I expect communication. I expect, you know, all the things you want from your, your service and your clients um, that are going to get the best results. So I think there's that um, in terms of getting people falling in love with the process. And then, and then I think it's just explaining in the, when, you, when you actually, now they have the expectations, you know, why they're doing something, they know what they're about to do. All the way through, you're referring this back to the goal where this is taking them and why they're doing everything they're doing. So they, because mm-hmm. people love when they have personal trainers, people love telling their friends knowledge. How often mm-hmm. is a group of, you know, group of women at a dinner table talking about things. They all talk about, oh, I'd love to lose a bit of weight. Well, my personal trainer told me about this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, if it becomes part of your social circle that you're excited to talk about personal training because your personal trainer's given you a bit of confidence because you've given a bit of wisdom that you know. We all like knowing something. We all like knowing yeah. something our mates don't know and feeling the smart guy in the room. If you can provide that with your clients, they're going to enjoy it. And if you can provide knowledge in their training <laughs> sessions that why they're doing something, they're going to be more engaged in doing it. Mm-hmm. Anything you'd add, Umar? Very comprehensive side. I mean, for me, doubling down on the vision is always the way. I mean, like keeping that clear, exactly. keeping that clear in your in your day and almost just kind of having that, as like I have a few notebooks that I, I keep just because it has a passage in there which is very clear as to why I started what I'm doing, why I need to carry on doing it every single day, and where it's going to get me. Like it, it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, I feel like there's, there's an absolute infinity of motivation and motivational speakers and quotes and videos and examples and, and books and all this stuff that you can get into. But if you can deep dive within yourself and you can find a sentence and that sentence pretty much sums up who you are why you are here and where you want to go so the things you talked about the past the present the future and it's and it's done in a quite a succinct way and it may not be the first iteration you write of it but you'll get there eventually mm-hmm. that keeps you honest keeps you honest it keeps you driven it keeps you nailed to the cross you know i mean like you have to you have to do this because of this and if you don't you know, you you kind of you kind of die a little bit inside when you look in the mirror. You're like, oh, this is this is not happening. Right? Obviously, finding out the, the way along the way, finding out the process along the way is where a trainer would come in, where we would come in. But that 
is I feel like a, a very individual process that every client should go through. And personally, I, I had to go through it. I had to go through it to make any kind of change in my life. And um, it's it, it it is where I'll definitely start with clients. Obviously, obviously, it takes a bit of time sometimes to to form that. But I think if we can be there showing the client that, that this is this is the way because if you set if you set the uh, the trajectory and you almost go to that end place you can then work your way backwards it's something i got from from jordan shallow mm-hmm. but it, it's almost almost like kind of he's helped me um put into words what i felt i was doing um what i was loosely doing before which is kind of you go there you make the pretty picture and you make the garden and you look at it oh wow that would be amazing it's like oh, well how do we get there we just work our way backwards and then we think mm-hmm. think about the you think about the things we have to instill and you two touched on all these points so um yeah, I, I would definitely, definitely agree with everything you said there, for sure. What's uh, what? Can I ask? What is that? So you've got your notebook in terms of your mission, what you want to do. What is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. We it's a deep. It's it's it's, 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 it's you know it's like it comes down it comes down to to changing the world, man. It comes down to kind of making sure that the world's a better place now than when you left it. Uh, sorry, no, mm-hmm. changing the world in a way that it's better having had you in it, and you've got to just make it an impact. To, to 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 leave the world a better place and that's like kind of you, you take inspiration from from people that have come before you in, in ways like what muhammad ali how he changed the world you look at you look at kind of different different people that have been fighters or have been politicians or have been whatever they've always kind of died for for that cause they've always kind of given their life up for that cause and i feel like i want to i need to do that as well you know i need to do that as well I need to do that because i know where i come from i know the parents that raised me and, and i know that that needs to have needs to be done you know needs to be done in in in, in a way that moves people forward moves people out of out of pain it moves people people out of suffering it gives them a heading it makes them feel they can be effective also and um yeah that's that's my that's my why man that's my why i I, I feel like through through you guys through everybody else i I kind of come into contact with i'm able to get that done you know i mean i kind of sometimes it's not always as efficient sometimes it's it's, you've got to beat around the bush a little bit and you've got to go through those periods like you talked about with uh with May and with with um, you like with your other client that um, take you a few steps backwards, but then you you always remember why you started in the first place and it ends up catapulting you forward. So long as you see you see the intent that you were trying to derive from that backward step, you go back and you plug that into the jigsaw puzzle and you start seeing like uh, okay, this picture's coming together now. I mean, like I so to, to go into that's that's awesome. because uh, it got me thinking when you mentioned that in your notebook about what what my why was. And it, it, it goes a little bit into that um, that initial intro of me about talking about WWE and pro wrestling. Like we have to go on to wrestling. At some I'm point. glad you made this term. Yeah. This, is, this is where I was going to go with it. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I think I think for me, obviously, I I, I was a believe it, I've I've always been a talkative kid, but I've always been a very very insecure. I was always a very insecure child. Um, you know, never never really had the confidence to sort of speak up or feel I you know was of value to anyone. Um, didn't feel like, you know, and I, and I think I, I had bouts of being bullied at various times in my life. And I, I tended to struggle with confidence a lot through my childhood years. And then, so that pay-per-view I saw was Royal Rumble 2000, Triple H, Cactus Jack, Street Fight. Right? Sick. If you haven't seen it, go watch what a one of the best matches, right? And, and it, it, I, I was just hooked. And I think... To me, looking at the, the reason why pro wrestling resonated with me and still does to this day, is that at the time I, I clapped onto the physiques, but now I realized it was so much bigger than that. So I saw Triple H, and Triple H just is unreal, unreal physique, 
right? But it wasn't just the physique that inspired me about Triple H. It was the, it was the confidence um, and how he could captivate an audience of tens of thousands of people, right? Um, and the same with The Rock can and Stone Cold Steve Austin can, name your wrestler here, right? They captivate huge audiences. And not only at the time, I, I thought, well, if I look like that, then I will have that confidence too. That I can go and you know, be better at speaking with people, be more confident, have you know, more friends, have more girlfriends at the time, you know. And I, so I was, I, I associated the physique. And at the time, I didn't know about work and the back end of the business and knew it was an act. But even so, I mean, going out in Madison Square Garden in front of tens of thousands of people and speaking in a pair of little pants takes an amazing amount of confidence. Um, so that sort of message has sort of taken me through my almost my entire career where, yes, I help people look better, but I don't really care about abs. And this is probably the reason why I'm a much better coach than I am an athlete. Um, you know, I'm never going to be the, the bodybuilding guy. You know, I, I'm a very different market to a Jordan Shadow or a Muscle Mentors or something like that, where, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not that guy necessarily that, you know, I do live, sleep and breathe training, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the guy I want to be lean all year round. And I have gotten very lean, as, as you were both known. But it, it, it's, for me, it's the confidence that comes, on, that, that, that comes from fitness that you can't get through anything else, anything else. Because you can, you can spend all your time chatting to this girl and she still might not fancy You can work really hard for promotion and someone's played the game better and, and gets instead of you. There's always an amount of luck in everything. And yes, we've got bone restriction, but genetics. When it comes to building a physique, Look, you, anyone can build a pretty decent physique. It's all down what you get in. You know, what you put in is what you, you know, get out of it. And that transforms people in other aspects of life. You see people improve in their work and their relationships and their social environment. And I know for me, that helped me gain that confidence. So my long-term goal is if I can help improve somebody's confidence, I don't really care how I do it. My first job I ever wanted to do was to be a therapist. I wanted mm. to be a psychiatrist. Um, wow. And I felt... I failed, I failed biology, believe it or not. Uh, and then my, my university degree, which, by the way, I got a third because I spent more time partying and drinking than studying. Um, if I went back and did university now, with what I know, without trying to be an arrogant statement, I'd ace it. But at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just yeah. wanted to know I wanted to help people. I'd call it yeah. sound, but it's about the confidence that I can bring. Now, as I said before, that started off with getting people in shape. And you, see, you can see, I love... That when I get people to a photo shoot or whatever their end goal is, the abs are inconsequential. It's seeing how that person carries themselves that makes a difference. That's what fills me with light. Now, if I can help 10 clients with that, now I, get a, I, I, I help 10 trainers who have 10 clients. Now I help 100 people, right? Mm. Just from clients alone. 110 if you include the, the trainers, right? Now, if I, if I come back, that, if I then go take a step back further, I start running education for team leads within gyms. I now help 10 gyms with 10 trainers with 100 clients. I then eventually do more public speaking. I start my own podcast. I do something like this. Everyone that listens to it, I've now helped thousands of people. Now I can help a million people improve their confidence. I've done something that's bigger than me. Hmm. But it, 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 okay. if it's Abs are the consequence for this, right? And I, and, and like, I, I'll give you an example recently. I had a client um, called Winston, really the friendliest guy I've ever met, Filipino guy. Um, he got mega, mega peels. And he, he came in because he was uh, just recovering in remission from um, pancreatic cancer. Wow. Um, That's very, shit. very shy, very, very shy, very, very insecure guy. 
but because he went all in, because his doctor told him he needed to go all in, right? Because his lifestyle was really poor. And um, over the course of that process, I started learning things about Winston. You look at his Instagram, and it was basically, I want to use a shrine to his wife. His wife's not dead. But if you look on his Instagram, it's all pictures of her. There's not one of him. And he told me, he's like, why, why is there no picture of you in Instagram? This is, he was getting lean at this point. He was looking good. I was like, why not? Because I don't, I don't like photos. I don't like photos of myself. Don't take them. And then over time, I started to notice he'd take photos of himself, like selfies, in the changing room at, um, at UP, and they're sending to me. And I'm like, okay, he's getting a bit of confidence here. This is good. And it kind of got into, we eventually convinced him to do a photo shoot as a culmination of it. You didn't like taking selfies. You're now taking selfies. Now let's get a professional photographer. Like, what would be that amazing journey to giving this insecure man with cancer to being this healthy man, you know, with confidence to take photos? And then one of the few things where coronavirus worked in my favor, a week before the photo shoot, gym shut. So we're like, what are we going to do? So I came up with the idea. I approached this to Winston. went, how would you think about doing a photo shoot on Victoria Harbour? <laughs> so if people don't know Hong Kong, Victoria Harbour, the front of Hong Kong, right by the sea, with all the buildings by it. Amazing. People are doing yoga there. People are running there. There's tons of people. So we did the photo shoot out, outside, full on confidence, tons of great pictures. Um, and like, he looked great. He looked absolutely phenomenal. But it wasn't about that. For me, it was a person that would never take a photo of himself. Now getting a professional photographer to take photos of him in the busiest part of one of the most densely populated cities in the world. <laughs> that is, is, is something I'll remember for the rest of my life. And, yeah, and I, that is what this is all about. And like, I remember mm. you know, winning mentorships, another great example. I, I, I went off on a tangent, which as you guys have already realized, I do a lot. And I, it was about getting a hobby which is something that Luke Lehman always teaches, right? You know, you know people don't have many hobbies. And I went on this rant about, like, okay, I, all, I understand that you guys wanted to be at UP City, want to be the best trainers, and you've got all this pressure on yourself to get these results. And it's a good thing, you know, like, you know, you, you've got this accountability to get better. But understand, you know, like, you know, to, you, you, the people who are, end up being the best in any industry are the people that are never satisfied, right? And they're always pushing for more. However, you need experience experience to be able to actually get better mm. so to get that experience you need longevity mm. going all in for a year and then burning out helps no one <laughs> so getting a hobby taking time for yourself is really really important i went on this tangent and you know a few people you know you, know, you, you never know how well you like you, you affect people in, in these mentorships sometimes people take it take the face value they smile thank you round of applause but it, 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 especially in england with the english um, trainers, there's this politeness that comes with being British. So you don't really know how much that's genuine and how much you just, that's what you do, right? Um, yeah. And then I got an email from this trainer uh, by a guy named Alex Stirl, Um And he, um, he just said like how much of an impact that made on his life and that mm. he was burning himself out and just having that, that, you know, that really, really resonated with him. Um, and I was fed a few emails back and forth and you know, that was the time where I knew this kid was going to be really, really good. But it's also the time where you see the light bulb go off. And no, yeah, it's like, yeah, I want to make you a really, really good trainer, but not at the expense of you and your personality yeah. and your, what makes you interesting. And I, 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 that's where it's always resonated with me. And that's the reason why, like, yeah, I get, I get a fair share, my fair share of results now from, from being in this game long enough and having a good number of clients and being better at my craft and getting more experience. 
But if a result has to take five, six weeks longer to get someone in the right headspace, I'm not sacrificing somebody because I understand that most of the clients I deal with, it's not just about being dick skin lean. And it's not certainly not about losing your hair because your thyroid's gone out of whack. It, it, it's about creating the person it, it creates the person inside that represents that outside. And it creates the trainer inside that represents a person that not only gets results, but their clients love them. Yeah, man. Big. That's what I want to do. Big. That was brilliant, Sam. That was brilliant. That's that's the that's the soundbite right there. Mm. <laughs> Impact. The soundbite. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm going to segue it back to pro wrestling because you've got to get to my name because <laughs> this is... It's been two hours now, guys. We got we got to talk about this name. Right, usually, it's, usually it's two minutes. I'm I'm feeling a bit neglected over here, right? Yes. Yeah. So, if you had to be a pro wrestler, and you could pick from the current pro wrestlers that we have, or you, or you, or you can choose your own music, what would your entrance music be? Let's see. Let's, oh. let's, let's hear it. That's such a good to, question. To, to give to give you guys some time to think, I will take the floor right. and I will say that my name is straight up whose entrance music I would choose. Yeah? When Booker T is music hits, and he's just, can you dig it? That's That's the one. That is the one. Oh, man, yes. You brought back some memories with that one. Gets me going every time. Gets me going, right? So that gives me the feels. It was between, for me, it was between him and actually Mr. Perfect. Side, do you remember Mr. Perfect? Oh, yeah. Strong, strong entry. Anyone who's not heard Mr. Perfect, that, that actually is on my cardio playlist, right? Because it just makes me feel like right. I need to rise to the treadmill, right? But uh, bro, you gotta yeah. send me that. I don't know that. Tune. Yeah, I'll send I don't you, remember I'll send it, you, bro. Epic, epic. It, it's it's like some uh, some. It could it could it could literally be in a scene of Lord of the Rings. It's it's that like deep <laughs> and uh, moving. But yeah, yeah. Sai, where you go with this man? So if we're looking at past like uh, WWE entrance themes now, so anyone if- you like. Yeah, so well, obviously, um, my favorite wrestler going up, other than Triple H. So, you know, when you kind of like you get your first place, uh, WWE PlayStation game, and you find the character mm. model that you want to look like, and you mm. pick the movesets of somebody that you like. And this is before you can really create this. It's more like you, you pick a music for a wrestler, yeah, you pick yeah. a moveset from a wrestler, you pick someone who sort of looks like you, and then you just alter it, right? Now, I had to have a rethink in terms of everything that I would choose. When, because growing up, my favorite wrestler was Chris Benoit. Now, mm. um, oh, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, less said about that, the better, right? Um, <laughs> so, but if I had to choose a music of a pro wrestler that stuck out for me, I think Cult of Personality, the theme tune for CM Punk, would resonate with me. Now, I, I, I think there's a lot of things that I, I, I am, I'm certainly not as charismatic and as witty as. as as, as a force of nature with CM Punk. But I, I like the fact that he got he gets in trouble for speaking his mind too much, just like I get in trouble for speaking my mind too much. <laughs> he would consider himself the voice of the voiceless, which right. is, you know, you know, essentially what I'm saying about trying to give people confidence and speak up. The way I've always I've always like considered myself a leader. If someone considers me a leader, I've not got a real a title. I'm in a leadership team. I'm in a leadership role, but I don't consider a role making me a leader. I, you know, if people think I'm a leader, it's, it's people I've worked with. It's people like Umar. If, if Umar thinks I'm a leader, then I'm a leader to him. If someone else thinks I'm a leader, I'm a leader to them. But 
I've always run it in the sense of like my aim is is to be the voice of the people that maybe are a little bit quieter that need that confidence that aren't willing to speak up. I'm going to fight for causes, even if it gets me in trouble, of people that wouldn't fight those battles. So the voice of the voiceless thing for CM Punk and the theme tune Cult of Personality, which is a banging tune, definitely mm. I think would be the closest thing to what I choose. Yeah, have to send that tune to us as well. And and the pipe bomb, basically, my look is if you if you listen to the Sear Punk 2011 pipe bomb on YouTube, and he does this tirade. Like he basically was given a microphone of Instant Man and says, "You can shoot on the business." So <laughs> they gave him permission yeah. to float his mind, and it went viral. It went huge. Like it brought loads of fans back into the, the WWE because this guy wow. just spoke his mind against the company, and it was it was it was it was awesome. Um, that 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 was, and then he came back. He like he he did that thing, and he was the whole storyline was he was going to go to Money in the Bank, beat John Cena for the WWE title, and then he was going to his contract expired on the night of Money in the Bank. He's going to leave the title. And this is only part storyline because his contract was expiring right. on that night of Money in the Bank. So they, they, this is actually somewhat true even into storylines. I mean, until the day of the show, they still didn't know whether he was resigning. So the booking of the match was based off. Um, you know, the, if he, I'm assuming if he didn't resign, then John Cena probably would have won and it would have been over. But if he did resign, he allowed CM Punk to win, ride this momentum. He ran off with the WWE title, appeared at loads of like, independent shows with the title, making it seem like he actually had walked off. And then about a month later, he came back with this new theme tune, which was um, Cult's Personality. It was that was pretty sick. That was pretty sick. I don't know about you guys, but, but my... Uh... My audio was all over the place whilst I was saying that. You guys were okay? Oh, yeah, I was fine. Yeah, we were fine. Okay, good. good, good. That's fine. That's Can fine. you hear us? You back on? You back on? You hearing us again? I'm kind of, kind of crackling on and off, but I mean, uh, yeah, I heard the uh, the gist of it. Mentioning uh, Chris Benoit, sick guy, but yeah, unfortunate endings. Yeah, and great uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, yeah, CM Park, sick choices, man. Sick choices. G, what about yourself? What about yourself, man? The first one that came to my mind was uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin just breaking the glass because that would always <laughs> just get me jacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just break the glass and then and then it was just it was just freaking brilliant, man. It was Jim Ross going crazy when it happened as well, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like, yeah. Oh my Stone god! Cold, Stone Cold. <laughs> Stone Cold, Cold is here. Stone Cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like you, you like relationship goals, isn't it? You want you want a girl to get excited about you. Jr. does when Stone Cold walks down around. Exactly. Dude, Just have a whole. I don't know, what, I don't know what's going on with the audio, but I can't hear either of you now. I can hear a little bit, but I. Uh, it's. I'm gonna try and Just, I'll see if it's on. Just unplug yourself, man. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. off, but. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a connection. I think it's a connection. Anyway, just carry on, guys. Carry on. It's cool. It's cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, that's uh, that's a throwback. I haven't seen wrestling. I haven't heard about it in so long. Probably the same stars. They keep dragging out the old stars for you know Undertaker and a Walker versus Goldberg walking very oh, slowly to the ring now. Oh god. Actually, that is one thing that I did see, which was uh, Goldberg versus Undertaker in uh, wherever it was, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Arabia. That was it. That was it. That the, was the most, uh, contra- the most controversial um, business deal in the whole of pro wrestling history. 
Like they have to yeah. like um, they, they they're fascinated that journalists they still went there yeah. and all yeah. so murky. So yeah, they're like, we're going to get paid and <laughs> we're going to get paid big and we're not going to sacrifice they that. Have. They have. They, yeah. They've recorded their biggest profits ever into like, you know, some like, you know, 20 million more than they were expecting. And they've let just let about 20 members of staff go, um, which they, and they proved by the quarter earnings, proven they didn't need to let anyone go. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, Vincent Mann's uh, not known for being the nicest boss. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Micromanaging people, firing people, you know, really strict contracts. Yeah, man. He's uh, a nice guy. Okay, hello. It only goes one way for you, for your reputation, doesn't it? It only goes one way for your reputation, but I I guess he's he's not in it for the same reasons you mentioned earlier, Si. Yeah. Not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, Yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's he's making money, right? He doesn't watch it. To be honest with you, in in, in Vincent Mann's defense, he probably doesn't have the time to watch anything else. I've heard I've heard his routine. He gets up in the morning, like three o'clock in the morning, he'll train. He'll get a um, a limo to pick him up from the hotel or wherever he's staying to the um, the well, wherever the show is that day. He's in meetings back to back, doing writing, structure staff and this. Then the show will go on and he'll go back four six like three or four hours and he's back the same thing again. He'll fly mm. to the next or he'll fly to the next town. So he probably didn't have that like mm. that ability to actually to see anything outside of his own bubble. It's so, like, like, you know, it's theater life, isn't it? Yeah, it's like yeah. kind of theater life. He's he's constantly just producing, watching the show briefly, and then just getting back to it. Yeah, it's, it's mad to think about it like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's one of the hardest working people ever, but he's just mm. you know he's, 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 you don't get to that stage in life by being ruthless. And I, and I mm. suppose it's probably the reason why I probably won't have a, a you know I, I you know however my success is, and I'm hopeful hopefully it's sensible. But I'm probably not going to be a guy taking over the world with a multi-billion-pound business. So I just, I maybe I'll change. But I don't think I have that mentality. Whether I even want to. Hmm. Couldn't do it with love rather than ruthlessness. Mm. Yeah, make enough to make me comfortable enough not to have to check my bank account every single week, and you know, you know, be relatively comfortable enough to provide for me and my other half, and you know, do something of meaning and. I'll be relatively happy, really. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not where I want to be financially or impact yet, but yeah, you know, I'm still I'm still you know I need what just under ten years into my career, so yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm still I still consider that a young trainee, really. Yeah, fully. Mm. It's always it's a work in progress, right? Always. Yeah, still exactly. It's the one. That was that was a working sure. topic. Should we should we call it there, guys? I think so. That's a good place to leave it. Nice. Cool, man. I've mean, just... enjoyed that. Yeah, it was sick to have you on, man. It was good chatting with you. Good, good getting your perspective on a bunch of things. I definitely learned some stuff from you as well. Yeah, man. Well, if you, if you, if you ever, if you ever want to, you know, spread it guest or whatever, if you pick a topic and let me chat or just get on as a chinwag again, I'll happily, I'll happily do a reoccurring one if you fancy it. Just let me know. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. I think I feel like we kind of like scratch the surface as well. There's a lot of, there's a lot of passion bubbling under the, under the surface there we can uh, really bring up. And, there's one uh, thing I can do is yeah. talk. Yeah, we like that. That's what we need. Yeah, but but, but he he can talk, but it's actually it's actually sense coming out of his mouth, which which yeah, it's uh, useful. It's useful chat. Well, 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 don't make it up too much. Not always. Don't worry. Yeah, next time he's on, he's just gonna he's gonna go the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, I can talk. I can talk a lot of shit too. 
That let's, let's, say that, let's say that next time, sir. Let's say that next time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tune, in, <laughs> yeah. tune in next time for Simon to go tune in next wild time. on the exactly. Achieve yeah, Evolve Thrive podcast. Exactly. I'll be, I'll be the, your um, equivalent. You know, remember Under the Bar? <laughs> Wait, one oh, second. Yeah. I, I, still, I, I still love how Umar still doesn't know the name of this podcast. <laughs> it's like 18 episodes in. <laughs> Like, achieve, 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 evolve, thrive. It's like yeah. Do you remember the Under the Bar podcast with um, the Clean House guys, Warden and um, whatever the other guy's name was? And they used to get the evil genius, Bodovic uh, uh, Chavez, or whatever his name was. Really smart guy. But yeah, you know, right. give me a tagline like that. I'll be the equivalent of the evil genius and come on every now and again. Deal. The evil genius. We're going to be like, don't get the tables. Yeah. I, I, I listened. I listened to the Under uh, the Bar podcast the first time in years recently, and I, I, I've never listened to it since because they got one of that weird pornographic intro music that they used to have. <laughs> is, that what, that? is that that was the hook for you? Yeah, that was the hook. For you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what got yeah, us all in. Oh, hundred percent. I was, I was like... waiting for a pl- I was waiting for a plumber to walk in randomly to fix the pipe. <laughs> so why is there glitter everywhere, Simon? What's going on? <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. The expectations were all over the shop. That's it. Under Actually, the bar. I've still got balloons up for my 30th birthday. I've actually just glistened. It was like, we had, we had, I had a surprise party on Sunday. And like Ellie bought right. a few of her mates around. They brought in for food and did all the stuff. The lads were given one job, my mates. Typical boy fashion. Put some of these little golden glitter stars that, you know, over the tables and into this. Typical lads put it everywhere. <laughs> there was some mm. on the toilet. There was some on the bed. <laughs> There was some down the sofa. I, I I was putting on socks and I found stars in my socks. Shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Starry socks, socks, man. Good mates, man. One Good mates, what you call that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> now, you're going to remember us in every corner of your house. <laughs> We're still finding them. We're still finding them. We've got to clean her twice a week. She's got rid of most of them. I'm still finding them. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good stuff. You know the care. You know the care, sir. Exactly. That's what yeah. that means. Yeah. But yeah, no, um, I'll have to uh, see if I can get a jump on for one of you guys to teach me how to use this as well at some point so I can eventually do my inversion and I'll, I'll return the yeah, favor. Sure. He is your man. Where would you do this? He, he is your man right there. I feel so commodity in this little tiny space. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Geez, this guy. Use that for sure, man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Man. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll chat about it anytime. Uh, we'll talk Please, about I appreciate that. It, man. Uh, Thank you. Thank uh, you wicked. It's been great. Um, appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast as well, make sure you share it with your friends, people who deserve to be in the know, and um, subscribe to it as well so you don't miss an update. And follow us on Instagram at Evolve Achieve Thrive for other updates as well. And uh, thank, thanks again. And we're going to love having Simon back on for another chat. For sure. Where, where can we find you, Si? Uh, probably Instagram best at Kingsley Dutton. That's the the middle name you didn't mention earlier on. Um, yeah, I knew we'd get to uh, eventually. Yeah, so at Kingsley Dutton on Instagram. Uh, that's where I just it's half fitness stuff and half random stuff, but you know it's uh, hopefully Wicked. entertaining. Wicked, yeah. We'll nice. put that in the show notes as well. All right, respect, people. It was good fun. See you next time. Thanks, guys.